0: Welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast for fans by fans. We are not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, but we would gladly buy them a copy of Alan Dibb's latest book as tribute. My name is Sora, and I'm joined by many other fans from around the world as we discuss the world of Aora, Pillars of Eternity, and the new game, Avowed. This week, we tackle the Windows Central article about Avowed, where author Jez Corden leaks some details about the game.
1: I know exactly what you're thinking. Doubt is healthy. We can work with doubt. You're asking yourself, how did I let the Royal Deadfire Company plant an informant in my crew? My superiors might expect me to report in from time to time, but don't read too much into it. You're not the only big
2: thing happening around here. I'm in this for a lot of information, a little diplomacy,
1: and plenty of target practice.
0: Welcome to the Valcast, everyone. We have a great group of people here today to discuss our topic. We're going to be focusing on the Windows Central article um, that was published by... uh, Jez Corden, um, and this is the one that uh, says the outer world meets medieval fantasy, talking about Avowed, and and we're going to talk about that article today and what we think about it. Uh, The article came out on October 12th of 2021. Um, So let's go around. I'm going to pick on our new new person today um, who's going to go first, and that is Remoran. Remoran, what have you been up to? Hey, Remoran.
3: Hi, uh, I've been, well, I, I mentioned this just j- recently, but I've just been playing um, Pillars of Eternity 2. I just finished um, my final playthrough uh, on console using turn-based mode um, and getting 100, uh, 100% of the achievements there. And then moving on to, I just started um, Lost Judgment, a uh, Yakuza spinoff, which is a pretty oh, cool game. Oh, cool. Oh, I hear great things about that franchise.
0: Excellent. Um, I, I want to dive into that one too. I mean, I'm I'm very interested. I, I feel like it's a time sink, though, isn't it? It well, all the
3: Yakuza games are. I've ne- actually never played them before getting into um, get them coming onto Xbox Game Pass, and then when they started getting, hitting it, I started playing through them, and I ended up playing through the entire series. And it is a really awesome series. It's just uh, like a lot of games that I like a huge time sink.
0: Now, which one's your favorite? If you played through many of them,
3: so I actually enjoyed the original Judgment, which is a spinoff of of Yakuza, better than any of the other ones. And then behind that, I would say Yakuza Seven because it is the only like RPG of it.
0: Uh, of oh, okay, all right, very cool. Yeah, I'm. I've been curious. I got I got interested um, really in it with the the latest release, the one that got the most hype. Um, you know, where you're swinging the purse and the guy has the diaper and all that stuff. Um, (laughs) I got really interested in that one. Um, I didn't play it and I didn't purchase it. So I don't know um, when I will get around to it, but I'm probably going to jump into that franchise at some point. Um, Parenthesis, what have you been up to?
4: I've been playing an action stealth game, I think, called Echo, uh, where you are a, a... Future person learning on, on this planet that's been converted into like space Versailles. It's it. It looks like the environments looks like uh, like yeah the interior of the Versailles. It been, yeah, it's it's it, it's like take it and it's made by. It's unknown who made it, but it's like an entire planet has been hollowed out and been made into a like a procedurally generated Versailles with. Uh, it's, it's me of course of course it's made by humans I mean game developers but but it's no actual person would like to live in this there are no of the amenities you would think about but anyways you go into it and suddenly duplicates of yourself suddenly begin to appear and they're all hostile it's an interesting novel take on the uh, self genre because in this game the uh, there are periods where these duplicates of you learn. I mean, various abilities are activated in the game's AI, and then that suddenly the entire thing place goes dark, and then they don't learn, and you can do all sorts of things like, say, shoot them, and then they won't learn to shoot you instead. I'm not terribly good at it. The game, to me, lacks some tools that I'm accustomed to, but it's certainly a novel take on the stealth genre. It looks, looks great. That. I'm, I'm
0: looking at it on Steam. It's got very positive reviews. Yeah, this looks cool as hell. Okay, I have to ask. You always have like some banger,
2: like off the wall. He's killing me. That, like he's killing do you my bank hear about account. These things.
1: Yes, man. I heard about this game so long ago, and I've been trying to remember what it was called forever. So thank you. parenthesis. Where do you find this
4: stuff? Yeah, I have to know. Well, I. I'm just interested in weird shit. And I got this in a Bible, and I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought about this. Uh, now i got it with all the rest of the things. I might as well look at it. And, and lo and behold, it's, it's interesting, if terribly frustrating to a person like me, who, as I said, isn't terribly good at stealth games. I guess so I've got to get don't more. Into re- yeah, you don't
0: have to reveal it, but I swear to God that you work for Valve because <laughs> I've spent so much money on the stuff that you've recommended and and the ones that I've played are fantastic. So you have a very unique uh take and a very interesting way of finding these gems that I have never heard of this game. And I feel kind of embarrassed saying that because it looks like it's pretty popular. I mean it's only twenty four dollars, you guys. So not s- not sponsored I, by the way. I'm I, getting it. I'm definitely Yeah, I know it sounds it. like I'm from ultra ultra but I'm not. So <laughs> it's uh not at all. Um so, very very so, cool. Um so Lazar, what's up? You been playing anything lately? Um how's it going?
5: Yeah, yeah. I I managed to figure out why my why uh, POE2 has been cr- crashing on me on PlayStation 4 uh it was the ai command like uh the beginning like it was a very uh like it broke the whole game like every time um battle or you know um a fight would start uh, i would get the blue screen so i was like oh fucking hell you know I, I i i wasn't able to i haven't been uh able to play the game since january or something
0: oh my gosh
5: yeah oh But when I figured it out, uh, it was like the AI command thing, like something was was off, like a a command that I gave somehow wasn't functioning or, uh, you know, the AI couldn't work it through and it just crashed like every time, you know, the battle would begin. But uh kind of like the, the auto uh, like the auto yeah, 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 exactly, is, Like the exactly. programmable thing, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So people out there, if you have the same kind of problem on PlayStation or uh, I am I'm guessing the same on I- Xbox, then that's the problem. But anyways, uh I've been finally been able to enjoy uh Footers of Eternity 2. I'm really loving the game. I'm having uh an itinerant playthrough right now uh priest of Barath slash stalker with the uh, with the great sword that you can summon with the priest of Barath uh, uh uh thing it's it's really powerful and physically i made a build around that and i've been slashing through enemies sounds like a really cool build
0: yeah yeah, it's a, it's a there's no question. It's a fantastic game. And it definitely, not to disparage the first one, holds up a little bit better with modern standards and things, yeah. uh, controller-wise especially. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So, Jedmandu, what are you playing? I've put... Oh, let me see
2: how many hours. I've put a hundred and something, a hundred and three hours into Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. And I think I'm like 80% of the way through <laughs> <laughs> Wow this game Pathfinder
3: is huge. is crazy yeah I mean it's one of those things like they try to uh emulate the tabletop RPG so much to such a staggering degree that it is that game is huge the first one uh, Kingmaker is enormous I haven't touched the second one but yeah
2: so far, I'm liking it way, way better. I liked Kingmaker, but honestly, the writing left something to be desired for me. It was just like weirdly, I don't know, it was like a YA novel or something. You know, it was it was, it was like it was written by a teenager, but in, in certain parts. And Wrath of the Righteous improves on that in like leaps and bounds. I was really kind of blown away because I was expecting, you know, it's the same studio. I was expecting them to just use the same writers and be like, okay, good enough. Written uh,
0: by a teenager. Hmm, that's apropos no today. today. <laughs> hmm.
2: Oh wow! Hey now, adult colors coming out. No reading ahead, Sora. Um, right. Sorry. But uh, but yeah, it's an amazing game and highly recommended. Uh,
1: so far, probably my favorite game of the year. Is it a like a continuous story, or is it just a different installment in the same world? It is a.
2: So it it originated as an adventure path for Pathfinder, just like Kingmaker did. Um, so so yeah, it's the latter. It's it's just sort of a different story set in the same world with some returning characters, but there's no like there's no real connective tissue between the last game and this one. Good to know. Mm. And right, the Gingarino. returning characters are, like really anyway, vague.
0: Yeah. What have you been doing lately, Gingerina? What are you playing?
1: Okay, so last episode I told you guys I was playing The Forgotten City, which was a a, a time looping kind of investigation right right, yeah so you know keeping in line with that uh when i heard that the echoes of the Eye dlc was coming out for outer wilds uh and i hadn't played that game and everyone i know talks about it constantly i'm like i have to try this outer wilds game so i bought it downloaded it and i played it and even though i originally bounced off it the first time i just stuck through and holy crap that game is phenomenal i love the outer wilds (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's gotten, I mean, it's it's consistently on people's list and it's it's gotten a ton of positive press, definitely, re- with professional reviews and things like that. I have not tried it myself, uh, but I want to. I've, I've, I'm aware of what the game's about and the trailer, and but it's just, it's another one on my list. Yeah, I gotta say,
1: like, if, if you do try it and it's something you haven't played before, there's a high chance you'll bounce off of it pretty early on because the game is kind of directionless, which... I don't know. I find for myself, anyways, quite often that turns me off of a game pretty quick because I only get so many hours in the week to play a game, I don't want to waste half of those hours trying to figure out where to even go. Right. You know, like people like to progress. But I don't know, the way that they reveal the story in that game with how you interact with the world, I think is just it's very it's just genius. It makes you feel like you're a very smart person when in reality you're probably not that smart, but it makes you feel like <laughs> oh, you're very smart. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs>
0: Well, I've been, uh, dig, I finished, I, I dug in and, and actually had, I will say this, uh, emails, uh, to about cast at gmail.com. Um, I had to push my way through life is strange, uh, true colors. I, the first chapter was good and, um, it's, I believe there were five total. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, there were some nuances about it. that were different than anything they'd ever done. Um, the graphics were upgraded a little bit, still not very good, um, in my opinion. Um, but it's it's fun. It's a story game, really. That's all it is. Um, you know, there are various things included in there to make you to give the illusion that you're actually doing something. Um, but it's a good story, but not a great story. I had figured out uh, the story. Uh, 10 minutes into the game which frustrated me to no end because I kept saying to myself no 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 there's gonna be a there's gonna be no this can't no oh that's the worst yes I'm like are you kidding me another Rubik's Cube ending I'm like I can't handle this I mean I spent so much time and um, so I I don't know I, I give it a B I think it's good if you like those kind of games you definitely should try it I don't think it was worth 60 bucks um, it is not even close to as good as the first one. Um, it is slightly better than the second one, I will say that. Um, I I don't know. I think my opinion is in the minority. I'm looking at the reviews now. Everything is 4.5 out of five. Some people gave it a five out of five, so I'm obviously in the minority. But, um, and I think there are reasons for that, you know. But I won't get into that. But. It, it's, it's a okay game. So I finished that. I jumped into Diablo um, 2 on the Xbox and it was a disaster. And oh, really? yeah, oh my gosh, the queues. I tried to jump online, but the queue was like an hour and a half. And, and this was on a weeknight, not on a what weekend. I'm, I'm like, what are you kidding me? You don't have enough... Ser- I don't understand how that works, how you cannot have the architecture built... Man, Blizzard, Activision, they are tanking fast. I mean, they just they just had a bad press the other day, you know, about the guy who works there getting people to pay him to take him through part of the game. I mean, it's, they're just tanking so fast. It's just incredible to see companies like that. You know, you saw it with BioWare. You, you, you see it, these companies that reach a pinnacle and then they just tank. Yeah. Not to mention the whole multiple federal agencies
2: looking into how shit their workplace is. Yes. No kidding. Like, yeah. oh my God, how bad do you have to fuck up?
0: Yeah. And having your own employees walk out on you and, and it's it's a mess. And I don't know that they'll recover. Uh, I believe uh, who knows what'll happen. And I'm, I'm not a business person, but I'm sure there'll be some sort of breakup of that company. And um, but I know that people who left before the chaos are, have started other companies and they're working on stuff now. So that some of the people who did leave went to those companies. So we'll see. Maybe the magic will continue. But anyway, uh, Diablo two on the Xbox multiplayer is non-existent single player. It's pretty fun and nostalgic. I like it, you know, um, but that's what I've been up to. So today we're here to talk about the windows central article by Jess Corden. Um, and there's, um, I guess I will start this by being open and honest that I have issues with the article. I have issues with the author. I have issues with Windows Central. I have issues with Obsidian and Microsoft after this article. I have issues. So many issues. It's okay, Sora. Um, this is a safe this is place. A, damn it. You beat me to it. <laughs> so I want to offer, offer a admission up front and um i'm just going to say this very blatantly and quickly i understand that i'm a nobody i I do not work in the game industry i do i'm not a professional journalist i'm speaking purely as a veteran gamer for many many years my expectations maybe they are too high i get it um and obviously from what i'm seeing on the internet most people are going to disagree with my points today um, and probably paint me as some sort of elitist idiot and that's fine but i have an opinion I can't be the only one. Um, and after this reading this article, I, I felt very uncomfortable and I felt I had to speak out. Um, and this is my platform for doing that. So I'm, I'm going to do that. And I don't want to discredit Jez Corden as a person. I do not know the guy from everything I've heard. He's a great, great guy. He's a good worker. He's fun to hang out with. So I don't want to discredit him as a person at all. Um, I have problems with this particular article, and that's really what I want to focus on. Um, So I want to start before we get into some of the stuff. Um, I think context is important. So if you're listening to this um, in the future, say it's, The second apocalypse just happened and you survived. Yay. Um, And you're coming back to listen to this. It's another apocalypse. (laughs) Yay. It's (laughs) important that you understand the space we're in. So it's October 2021. The article came out on October 12th. Um, Avowed was announced more than a year ago after a brief trailer um, and then radio silence. Nothing. Um, they started the hype train and they jumped off before it left the station. So think of, if you're a listener, think of it like this, you, the fan, here's a, here's a wonderful analogy. You've been wandering the desert for a long time. The heat is unbearable. You've lost so much water that you aren't even sweating anymore. You fall to your knees, you crawl through this unforgiving sand um, no hyper- hyperbole here. Um, then some <laughs> random dude, some random dude waddles up into your vision, holds out a bottle with very, very little water. Your emotions explode. You don't care if the water is muddy or dirty. You don't care where it came from. You don't even care that it is barely enough water to wet, wet, wet your lips. It's water. Water. I mean, that you didn't have before. So, you, you, you just want something to sustain yourself at this point. So you drink it. You don't care what it tastes like or looks like. Beggars can't be choosers, right? Well, the article from Windows Central hits us at a very specific moment in the arc of this game's development. So many of us, I feel, have turned away a critical eye and avoid and are avoiding holding people accountable at this point we just want water. We want it now. You close your eyes and you drink. And that's what I've been seeing online with the response to this article, you know, praising the article, praising Jez, kind of putting him on a pedestal, to be honest. And some of the podcasts is like licking his feet. I mean, yes, this guy has been around a while. I get that. I'll talk about his history in a little bit, but I've only seen one person, one person hold him accountable on Twitter. It was and he had to respond to it, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, so here's my question for you before we jump in: Why is it that we as gamers are so damn easy to fool? Is it the unforgivable absence of anything from Obsidian and Microsoft? Why do we give him a pass and this a pass so easily? Well, first
1: off, I just want to say I, I don't like the things you're saying about our lord and master Jez Corden or mm-hmm. at WindowsCentral.com.
4: Under <laughs> yeah,
1: You will be usurped,
2: and now it's my podcast. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to a podcast. Yeah, welcome to a podcast. My podcast forever now. I think that um, I, I think that we're kind of seeing almost like a cyberpunk effect kind of thing happening here, where people are very very hyped for this thing, but like the stuff that we're seeing. Right now is so vague that it, it it's allowing people's imaginations to to run kind of wild, and that's never really a good thing. I think I, I don't know if gamers are you know easy marks necessarily. I don't I don't like to think that, but I I think that we are kind of by virtue of uh, of the media we consume. Uh prone to flights of fancy. And I think articles like this kind of feed into that a little bit. And I like, I, I understand that I'm also very happy to get literally any news from about um, whether or not it's from a primary source or from, you know, fucking Jez Gordon or whoever, um, you know, just a crumb of, of news is, is better than nothing. I think for sure. But I also totally understand where you're coming from, because it's like, but why would you give us,
1: you know, this, this <laughs> yeah. tiny, tiny little crumb. I'm to answer the question you asked, Sora, like why, what was it? Like why are gamers easy targets? Is that what you've put it as? That's probably a better way to say it. Yes. <laughs> I, f- I feel like this is just like a, a habit that is formed from years, if not decades of playing games and just how the development cycle goes. Cause like, I remember playing games literally two decades ago and if an announcement was made for a game or any news came out about a game, it was going to be released very shortly afterwards. And then as time progressed, you know, there's still announcements and teasers and news about games coming out. But as the years have gone on, the time between announcements and trailers and teasers and the actual release date has gotten bigger and bigger. And so now we're having a, a vowed reveal trailer two years before the game releases and this time in between is just massive. So like, I feel like this is becoming normal, but for years and years, it wasn't necessarily the normal thing. And so I don't think anyone really knows how to navigate that space right now.
0: Yeah. It's very uncertain, isn't it? It makes you a little uneasy. I think it's changed. I think you're, you've definitely hit on something there. I do believe that the dynamic has changed. Uh, I agree with what Jed Mandu said that we're in a, a post, uh, no man's sky uh cyberpunk era um two two flops that absolutely stunned and changed the industry um one much more recently so i do believe that 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 we're we have seen a shift um and i do believe that's why some of this is probably happening i do want to say before we get in i'm going to jump into the details in the article in just a second but I want to say upfront that i i respect jess Corden for putting himself out there it's tough it's it's especially gaming it's it's an unforgiving arena and especially being a journalist is an unforgiving profession that never pays well um he has a no-fair approach he's always shown that about leaking details about games and xbox and such and he obviously does have a pulse on the industry he loves games i can tell that from listening to him on podcasts this guy's a gamer at heart and he works his ass off. I mean, he puts out two, three articles a week, you know, at least from the history that I've looked at. So so kudos to him for that. Uh, Windows Central, I believe they used to be called Windows Microsoft Experts back in the day. They continue to be cutting edge for leaks in the industry. There's no question. Props to them for that. And just the past year, we've gotten so many leaks from these guys. We got the Xbox Series S. Remember that? Um, The leaks on Elden Ring, Redfall, Contraband, Project Dragon. Uh, They leaked just recently the new Xbox storage cards. So many leaks have come out for Windows 11. Before we even knew there was a Windows 11, they knew there was a Windows. So they are constantly um, on this unflinching quest to share news with gamers and techies. It pushes the companies that are way too quiet and too tight-lipped to start respecting the fans a little bit. Um, by releasing this information and throwing it out there, sometimes throwing it out there to see what sticks, but doing it. and, and game journalists, I think in general are they're primarily gamers. I mean it always, has always been that way in a way, this is great. If you look at like sports journalism, for example, um, the current trend is they really like to hire um, athletes, people that were in the arena um, doing it. That didn't used to be the case back in the day. 20, thirty years ago, sports journalists often were journalists first. Now they're 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 athletes first. And I think the same thing goes with game journalists. They're they're typically gamers first. And then they either learn to write or they can write pretty well and the editor fixes it. Um, so that's kind of my positives. Probably the last ones I'll say. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I think what I want to do for the listeners is before I really get into some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um Let's just jump into what we actually learned, quote unquote, learned from the article. I'm going to go bit by bit and I'm going to give you guys a chance to respond, talk about it, tell me what you think. Um, this is what he says he confirmed. This is what he's confirmed visually. He's talked to many times about seeing this evidence, um, which I have no idea how that happened. But seeing this evidence uh, faced... Face with I don't know sitting in somebody's computer at Obsidian I'd probably not but who knows, um, but these are the things that that came out. So the first thing I'm going to put on the list is that it uses the Outer Worlds engine and let me talk about this a little bit because I've done some research. Um, he's specifically talking about the graphical approach right now. Uh, he was on the Xbox Unlocked podcast about a week or two ago, or I guess it was a week ago, um, and he talked to them about this article and everything he said he specifically said that there were many areas where he where they were playing through a valve where he swears that he saw the exact same assets being used in outer worlds um these are rocks plants you name it um so that is i believe some sort of confirmation that it is using that engine and uh, what are your thoughts on that does anybody have any thoughts on that one
2: well, early this early in development, and he does say it's in like a pre-alpha. Well, it's not exactly you know alpha, but whatever, like pre-pro kind of uh, development phase. Like it's it's pretty. I don't I don't think it's unusual for uh, for them to be like reusing assets from from older games. You know, at least just as like placeholders. Um, at that, I mean, from what I understand of game dev, which is not much uh, <laughs> that seems to, that seems to happen a lot, especially when you 're reusing an engine so yeah I think you're probably you're probably dead on about that and he 's probably dead on about that
3: The other thing is um, outer worlds uses Unreal Engine um, so it 's a common engine that people use I, I think they're also using I, I guess like some other layer on top of uh, Unreal Engine that yeah, like branch. they used, yeah, like a branch of it that they used to make Outer Worlds. So I, that makes sense to me. Especially, you know, I think you're right um, that they would reuse assets just to see how something would look. I mean, not empty in the world. Uh, so I think it makes sense. Yeah.
0: Now on on back end of that, you're correct. Outer Worlds uses Unreal Engine four, as does most people. Um, there was a, a, a blurb from Obsidian, um, I guess, a month ago or whenever, after they released that trailer, they were talking about how their plan is to use Unreal 5 for Outer Worlds 2. So considering, I would imagine, because it's it's a small game and that the release window for that probably isn't that far away... Um, does it startle you at all that they're using, they're sticking with Unreal 4 that has been around since when? Like 2000. Uh, when did it come out? I don't remember. Um, but long, it's been a long time ago. Yeah. It's been around and for a while.
3: Also, uh, Unreal Engine is, and this is just anecdotal. I have no idea. I've just, from what I've read, is not so great with open world games. Um, and which is fine for Outer Worlds. It's hub based. Um, and if uh avowed eventually is open world um might be a a bit of a problem if it's also using Unreal Engine four.
0: I just found it it was cutting edge in twenty fourteen, which I guess wasn't that long ago. That's almost ten years ago, but um
2: you also gotta allow for like we don't really exactly know how long it's been in development. And I would rather them you know, you don't change horses in the middle of a race, right? Like if, if they've been developing it on UE4, then I'd rather them just keep doing it and have it maybe not look quite as good as it would in UE5 than have to, you know, start over. Or, well, not necessarily start over, but, you know, adapt everything over from one engine to, to, uh, to another.
0: I mean, I, mean, I will... I will jump on what Rimmer and said 4 has been around and it's proven itself. It looks good. Outer Worlds looks yeah. good. I and no disparaging Outer Worlds. That was a beautiful also, game.
2: It's more it's more um you know as uh, as an engine's life cycle, you know, stretches on and developers learn the in, learn the ins and outs of it. You you know, you get the the benefit of experience. Uh as a developer you, you get you get to know like okay where are some like you know little tricks that you can pull to you know optimize the experience and and you know push the engine a little further um so you know i, th- I think they they have that that benefit as well if they're if they are sticking with ue4
0: so i'm gonna put put it to parenthesis here because i know you're an outer worlds fan as well um parenthesis are do you really care if you're playing through a and and it kind of looks like it did and if you know same assets same rocks same plants if if you're seeing stuff and it hits you in your head when you see it oh my gosh i've seen this before does that bother you at all are you just are you okay with that
4: no because uh, i know of the reality uh, i i don't know of the realities of game making because i'm not in that industry but i have learned some of it i mean it's it's extremely expensive to, to make anything these days that is triple A or double A. So it makes sense. It's, it's, uh, there's better logistics. There are, there are people who know of it. There are tons of plugins and asset packs if you need something that, isn't, that don't need to be bespoke. It makes sense. It's a wise economical choice. You build on what you already have to make it something better. And what you build for yourself that is bespoke is something you have that you can go forward with. I wouldn't want to see them using this technology in 2030 or 2040, but for now it makes absolutely sense. That's what I would do. Uh, so you don't want to see
2: them pull a Bethesda and just use the Morrowind engine oh my forever.
4: God. <laughs> just
2: hacking new <laughs> oh, parts yeah.
0: onto it for the for the rest of eternity. It terrifies me, yeah, to think of what they're doing for the next uh, Elder Scrolls. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to put my trust in them. I, I, I will say this. I agree with both parenthesis and Jed Mandu. I think that and Remoran. I, I think that Unreal Four has kind of reached that point where um, it it has matured to its peak. Probably, um, I would say that ninety percent of the games out there right now are being developed with it. I, I don't know that for sure. I'm just guessing. Uh, it is that prevalent. Um, Unreal Five has not really been out for that long. I can't really find a date on the actual. Oh, it's. Uh, The full release isn't even out yet. The full release is expected at the end of 2021. Um, So that would explain it. Then it's not even really fully released. So why would you pick something like that? I guess more for me, what was shocking to hear was that they're not trying to diversify their product base and that um, I don't want to be running through uh, the living lands thinking that I'm going through outer worlds, um, thinking where's my plasma gun or whatever. You know, I don't want to. I don't want, I want it to be unique, is what I'm saying. I would rather them take the time to make it unique. I want assets that make sense to the world, not assets that you have on this hard drive that have already been there that, you know, maybe I'll change the shade a little bit. I think we can trust
1: Obsidian, like, with making a unique world. Because, I mean, they tend to be all about storytelling, character development, environmental storytelling. So, uh, I don't see them... Skimp, like going over those details and just letting it pass because that seems to be the passion projects that they have or things like that.
2: Yeah, because like I mean, um, look, I agree.
1: Look
2: at, yeah, look at Pillars versus like tyranny. You know. Um, yeah. The, the I think I think Obsidian's good at at you know making their games look distinct.
3: This is also the first big game coming off of the Microsoft acquisition, right? So it would be weird, I think, if if they shared assets between. Um those two games, um considering the amount of money that I'm assuming they have now uh for development, I think it'd be weird. Yeah.
0: Um now the next one I'm gonna jump into is and this one sparked some controversy on Twitter. This was where the what I was referring to earlier where he had to put out a tweet to correct himself. Initially he said avowed was in pre-production, um, possibly moving to Alpha, um, but not in full production for years as we had thought. So his his first uh, foray of the article, and I believe he's gone back to edit the article. I didn't print out the original when I saw it, um, but he definitely said it was pre-production, um, which, you know, that's fine. I mean, it's not what we would have thought. You know, it's been a year since they played the damn trailer. How could you possibly be at the table right now, still at the planning stage, not moving into content that God, to me, that long, Jesus, that it can't make it doesn't make any sense. He did release a tweet later saying that what he really meant was it was pre alpha, might have been a better word. That's his quote pre alpha might have been a better word. Um, still, that's interesting because people are starting to say this thing could come out at the you know February 2023, which I think is not gonna even, uh, no, not if it's in pre alpha. Uh, any thoughts on this? Pre-alpha
2: means something. So, okay, it it means something very different depending on the genre. Like, in terms in terms of uh, when we can expect a finished product, it, you know, normally when when you're talking about alpha beta releases of games, you're talking about like you know playable public alphas or or private alphas, whatever. So, like. Uh, for for like a very um, ambitious example, you know, there's there are games like Ashes of Creation, which I was a backer of, and which I'm still very hyped for. But I think that just had its alpha um, like l- like early this year, um, and is still probably not gonna release release until like 2025
0: maybe. What about Star Citizen? It was in alpha for like 20 years.
2: I mean, yes, but Star Citizen doesn't. Well, OK, I was going to say Star Citizen doesn't have Microsoft money, but honestly, they they do. They just, you know, yeah. whatever. They just they they just fuck around. And,
0: but his, this was his yeah. quote, uh, Jed. He says they are, quote unquote, moving through the planning stage right now into having content. <laughs> That's not playable
2: uh it's well i mean the article also says even in, even in its pre-alpha state avowed looks like it plays extremely well with refined action rpg combat so mixed messages maybe yeah
1: exactly. you can't you can't say that it looks like it plays well unless they were playing something that he right saw. exactly yeah well, there unless it lies.
2: was like thank you for making
0: like, my first point that I'll bring up. Later. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect job. Next one. Multiple class play styles. <laughs> just that over it. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Multiple class play styles. What does that? There'll that be more than one class that you can play. Yay! Yes,
5: done. And that Moving is on.
1: groundbreaking.
5: Um, I mean, you know, like for, for people who only know Skyrim, I guess, yes, Prime, <laughs> there were no classes. So, you know. Yeah, because
2: Skyrim doesn't really give you like play styles based on your class. It gives you, that's, that's the one thing that, that Elder Scrolls games have always kind of lagged behind in for me is like any sort of distinction between, you know, making your class matter at all.
1: Um, so now here's the thing though. And I hate to give Sora extra ammunition for his, uh, for his revolution, but like, <laughs> you could interpret multiple class playstyles as something like you would see in the elder scrolls because you can create any kind of class you want, given the skill trees they have. So like, sure. you, you know, you can kind of create your own class. So it really doesn't even help you figure out, is there selective classes or is it just like an open skill tree kind of make your own class? So it, uh, What and this is this is part of the problem that I have with the article is that it is so vague
2: as to be almost meaningless. Um, where he says, like, the combat seems to be more loadout based than the Elder Scrolls. Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. When you think loadout
3: based, that that reminds me of like Call of Duty or some shit. Like, no. My Actually, first thought with my first thought with loadout based was Elder Scrolls Online. I don't know if you guys have ever ah, Online, yes, but yeah. it's very interesting. It, like I think that could work, especially if you choose a class where you have uh, skill trees and you choose your skills, and you have six slots, and you can only choose you, you can only use those six slots. Um, so you have to always choose like w- what your loadout is based off of. Like maybe like if if you use bow and arrow and you have a bunch of bow and arrow skills, you can put use three of those slots for bow and arrow maybe one of those slots for your magic skill you know yeah okay you just said something that
2: that made it that made it kind of click for me because I'm I've played ESO and I've also played a shit ton of guild wars too and uh, if if we if we get sort of customizable bars and like um, skill sets like that like if that's what he means by loadout, where it's not like the game handing you a discrete set of abilities but you sort of making a set of abilities out of a class-based pool of of options then like yeah I'm, I'm I'm for that obviously you know that that sounds pretty dope
0: so here I'm going to throw this out um and please counter me but uh wouldn't you say that uh, Pillars of Eternity 2 had multiple class playstyles yes yes mm-hmm. yes and that and that released when again that was over 2015 yeah well, but I mean, like,
2: that's what I want, though. <laughs> like,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I get it. I'm just like, uh, that was one of the revelations. Here's the next revelation. This one's probably more impactful and and earth-shattering uh, for us to hear. The next big leak that came from Jez was that there'll be dual wielding. <laughs> wow.
2: Okay, I see what we're doing here.
0: <laughs> Is
1: this, are we renaming this podcast to the, we're vaguely referencing Elder Scrolls and
0: sometimes pooping on it? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But uh, that startled me a little bit when I read it because. (laughs) So, well, okay. The trailer came out over a year ago. The trailer already confirmed that, right? Yeah. Well, yes, maybe.
1: Well, uh, here, yeah. I mean, the trailer implied that. I'd say, who was it that said? Was it Kiwi who said it was dog whistling? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
2: true. <laughs> what, like Skyrim dog whistling, only the Dovahkiin can hear it. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because because you get that you get that you know the now kind of famous in the community like camera angle from the perspective of the protagonist, and you've got your sword and you've got your spell on the other hand, and that. That was definitely a dog whistle to me in terms of like, oh, this is like going to have the Skyrim handedness, you know, equipment system, Um, which I'm I'm fine with. That's one of the parts of Skyrim that actually works for me.
1: Yeah, it was also like, I think your brain has seen that set up in skyrim so much that when oh, yeah. you see it in the reveal trailer your synapses were like oh this is sky wait but this isn't sky oh but this is sky what's going on now i'm addicted and that's how addiction happens
2: <laughs> well that that's how that's, that's how good. you fall down the endless void of, of avowed speculation it all yeah, began so
0: next next uh uh thing and this one i don't think it was really talked about at all? Well, I don't think there was evidence in the trailer completely, um, but uh, I mean, maybe kind of. You could argue that. But that, that the game will be using spells from Pillars of Eternity series. So, Jolting Touch, for example, was his example, and then he went on to say, "We'll have a mountain of spells." Um, what was the other spell he mentioned? Oh,
2: um, he actually said all <laughs>
1: of us nerds just pipe up at the same time. <laughs>
2: Well, hang on. I got I got to counter you there, you there a little bit because uh, he actually says um, the combat seems to be more load up based on the Elder Scrolls than the Elder Scrolls, which gives you mountains of spells. So he's not saying there's going to uh, be fair of spells enough of this. Okay, he says. Well,
0: uh, yeah, I would it, argue that Pillars had a mountain of spells. I mean, it had quite yeah. a few. Yeah,
2: but they weren't all accessible to everyone, which I think is what he's getting at
0: here. Yeah, maybe again, I'm, the... I'm I'm mind reading here. So, great enough. Fair, no, fair enough. So, w- what are your right. thoughts on that statement, though? Well, I personally love the idea of using the same
3: spell names. I know it's a silly, small thing that they, uh, they, they couldn't or they didn't have to do because they they just got purchased by Microsoft. They are making this kind of different um, genre game. It's a Skyrim-like instead of Baldur's Gate-like, uh, and they could have just you know wiped the slate clean. And I just think like. At least when I play it, and I see things like jolting touch and and fetid caress stuff like that, I'm going to be like, oh wow, I am in an, in Aora. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah actually, that,
5: that got me the, excited the, reading that too. one paragraph. Uh, can, can I have a question? I don't know if you know, but uh, is is this the first in, instance that you will be able to cast these kind of D and D ask or uh, cognitive? Spells in a like an action, like first-person action adventure video game, or or has it always been an all all these kind of games are like kind of CRPGs? And stuff? so, what do you mean by cognitive spells? No, I mean uh, I meant D uh, D esque. I mean, uh, as in. Um, you know this kind of you know magic missiles and you know the, the, there's oh,
3: these missiles
5: that yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 kind of, yeah kind of because yeah because all the action adventure uh fantasy video games that usually let you you know uh do it in third uh first person like a first person shooter like spells work quite differently from you know from what you're Accustomed to in D and D and in pillars of eternity and so on and so forth.
2: That's true because like
5: aiming a lot of these spells is going to be
2: very different. Exactly. Like, how are you going to put down a wall spell? You know, I was wondering that. I'm like, how am I going to put my wall of colors up? What's going to happen there? What if when you when you cast it, like
1: the game pauses and zooms out and swoops over, and you can just place it like in pillars. I was daydreaming about a first-person version cool. of real time with pause option, and it made me very happy. I don't <laughs> think it'll happen, but I was no, still I very it. happy. I doubt it.
2: Well, but okay. So what I really, what I really like about um, keeping the spell names is that there's lore baked into the spells of of Pillars of Eternity. There's there's lore baked into the naming conventions. You got like Minoletta's minor missiles. It's not just minor missiles, you know. There's and, lore like, in this game, th- uh, right? <laughs> um, so. I think what's going to be really cool is getting in there and seeing what's changed you know is this a, if this is a prequel then maybe we're going to see like a pared down spell list or spells named after different people um which i think would be neat
0: right, and it brings we'll up a good point if free. it is a pre if it is a prequel then yeah i see what your point is with the lore so that's that's kind of interesting I hadn't thought of it I'm, that way. I'm getting off track a little bit here, but that I just thought that'd be kind of cool. So he does go on to say a couple of things that are pillars like, so, uh, the two other things he mentioned are, uh, the pillars, bestiary pulling from the pillars, bestiary with, uh, waverns, drakes. And then he goes on to say there will be guns like, uh, well, no, I mean, yeah, he goes on to say there'll be guns like muskets and long guns. Um, uh, the talking about items that he sees in the game. Um, I was actually either, worried about that. Either of those two uh, raise an eyebrow. There may be guns. Is, Maybe that what he guns?
4: Says? Is that what he says? Let me see. As example, pillar-style guns may also appear in the game, similar to oh. the muskets and aquabuses found in the original two titles oh come well, on i'm oh, I, I so
0: it. I may inherit a million dollars uh in the <laughs> hey, sarah, so now it's time to for us to talk about our great friendship that we have now your... oh yeah, yeah, no problem um yeah, yeah you should be getting paid <laughs> to be on here now at this point yeah um the the whole long gun thing, I don't know about that, but uh um i i i mean yeah, I think I think. I think everything that we're talking about here is that it looks like what I'm trying to say, and this is a positive thing is that it looks like they are definitely paying homage to pillars. They're not totally forgetting what was done before this game. They're they're. It sounds like they're from what he says, if what he says is true, they're diving into that uh, those games to not just pull out spell names, but um, creatures and, and try to make those ties so that they make sense that, you're in this world of Aora, and it's not. It, you know there will be differences, but it's it's still familiar in some way, Wait, which I think hold, is a good. Hold the fucking phone for a second. Muskets, there there
2: were okay. I'm I'm weapon nerding a little bit, and probably reading too much into it, but there yeah, weren't probably. like musket muskets in. Either of the pillars game were there? There were I'm, no, there sure were not. I'm pretty sure there were pistols, Jez does arquebus know.
3: and blunderbusses, I believe.
5: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure Jez just is just know what a musket is. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think he saw an old timey gun and he was like,
5: <laughs> musket,
1: that's <laughs> yeah, what probably, that is,
5: probably.
2: But honestly, no, no. Like, I'm kind of into that. I'm, I'm into the prospect of playing a first person shooter, but with a fucking musket. Like, <laughs> I don't think I, don't, I can't think of a game that's, that's done that for me.
0: There well, in no a long point. gun, a long gun requires a base. I mean, that's what a long gun is. You you have to have oh. a base for a long gun, and that doesn't make any sense. I mean, but I, that's when it, maybe this is all stuff that's in not in the world of Aora, but maybe that's the stuff that's in the world of Eternity. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Are we getting into that
5: now? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't read like, ahead yet.
0: Okay, well, so I'm going to put parenthesis on the spot about this next one. What do you think, parenthesis, about? Uh, what we hear about physical attack styles, with the kicks and the bashes and the things like that, that uh, he raves about being seeing in this this new iteration.
4: I'm just wondering how it's it's key to the controller or the keyboard because that sounds like how, how are you going to? S- okay, I mean they did it, of course, in in the. Uh, in, in the oh, now I've forgotten it. it's it's the precursor to the Dishonored game where it's basically a fantasy kickman the game. <laughs> but 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 I'm I'm, I'm talking about before 4 I'm wondering how they're going to to key this all so that it, it flows correctly, but it, it might just be oh push action button when 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 the enemy is there and you do oh. awesome shit. God, I hope not.
2: I what okay. My my hope for this is. Um do you guys know how uh Final Fantasy 14 plays on console? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where where you have like those the the menus that you can kind of the crossbar um, I think they call it. Yeah, 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 You spool out the menus from like the triggers and then you yeah, I haven't played it on console, so I'm talking out my ass a little bit, but I've seen it played. Basically you like it's it's like a trigger thing and then you hit one of the uh buttons uh, like one of the D-pad buttons and that executes the, uh, so it's button combinations basically that you can you know and you can custom bind everything
3: i'd love that going back i keep going back to elder scrolls online because they also use the the triggers do stuff like, yeah, like Skyrim, they did, didn't they where like like your abilities cost something like stamina or or magic or whatever you know uh, resource and then you would get your resource back by like if I think like holding attack, like power attacks, put ups like stamina or something like that. So you would use both the triggers and then whatever loadout you have, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just hope they don't
2: go full Skyrim pause spam. Because um, honestly, that's the least appealing part of the game to me is just having to like, oh, you want to equip a new ability, better go into the fucking menu or favorite it and then go into that fucking menu and then that gets super fucking crowded.
0: That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, so hotkeys would be would be good.
2: It sounds like that's kind of the direction they're going because it says every ability is keyed to like just a button.
0: No, um, uh, the, bash, the bashing is fine. You know, the bashing doesn't bother me. The kicks sure. is a little concerning. Maybe we'll
2: have to do Hadokens.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> it depends how much they're leaning
1: into the action side of things versus not. I mean, if they right. want to have fluid action, then you'll want it to be, oh, I'm running towards a bad guy, hold left trigger, press the Square button, and then you do an attack. Or maybe they want something that's a little slower where you have to think ahead of what kind of things you're going to use. So maybe you do access a menu. I, it really depends on how they're trying to uh, reveal and release the game to us, yeah, I suppose. But yeah.
0: moving from like uh, nature's bomb to a roundhouse kick, that kind of <laughs> concerns me a little bit. Does it not I bother mean, you? I mean, have you tried? No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is a little weird. Without pause, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little strange. Um, but uh, when I say pause, I mean like real time with pause, not like dive into the menu to to like scurry through your bag and find your kick button.
1: Um, yeah, I think it would make more sense if you had like a a long list of abilities, and then you could attach it to certain key bindings, which I think is kind of yeah. what he's getting at. So like if you have twenty fighter abilities, but you can only quick access, you know, six of them at a time, you have to choose which six you're going to ha- bring into this current combat.
0: Right, which that's what that's
1: ESO
2: does. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, loadout. that's what Guild Wars 2 does as well, and it's fucking
1: great. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, ESO so. and Skyrim are going to be some of the biggest influencers on the developers at Obsidian for how they're developing this game, right? Because it's very, pretty much the same genre. You know, yeah. it'll be its own unique twist on it, which uh, I, hilariously, that's what Jez says, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> It's. A, I, I think the term now is immersive
2: sim. I've I've heard that being tossed around for. What does for, that mean? Uh, basically, sim. it means scrolls like kind of like from what I understand, it, it's basically like this this whole genre that that sort of forked off of uh, Morrowind. I guess that being sort of the primary example um, where, well, it, it's it's uh, you know immersive open world RPG kind of thing. I could be I honestly haven't done enough research on it to talk confidently. Uh but I'll do that right now. Hang
0: <laughs> on. <guys>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Edit
1: Let's some elevator music into the episode right here. Do, 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 do. Yeah. It's <laughs> Jeopardy so, is elevator music now. Uh
2: thief, thief two, system shock, system shock two, the first day you said
0: oh okay. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um so what about the the atmosphere? More colorful, brighter, gigantic flora, big love mushrooms, luminous caves. Love it. That's, it's great. I love so it. Like me- that he means the
3: living lands, right? I mean, like he, I, I, think I read on Twitter that he didn't know about the living lands um, rumor until after, like someone had posted, it, like said to him on Twitter, and then he said, "Oh yeah." yeah, it makes sense. Living lands. Yeah. But um, how does
1: he even know that the living lands exists? If he, I'm okay. Uh,
3: yeah. What if he calls it the world of eternity? Well, yeah. I, I, so, yeah. like, now
2: okay. if he
1: calls it the world of eternity, he might be the biggest fan ever, or he's not really a huge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really kind of a toss up. Cause like, honestly, I, I don't think that, I, I don't think that he like, doesn't know about the, about the lore. I think that he at least took like kind of a primer here. I, and you know the world of eternity—that phrase, um, like Remaran was saying—it's it, it, sort of a holdover from from the first like Kickstarter. Yeah, um, that's what it. Its yeah, placeholder the, name
5: was that. Yeah. The, pro, the problem with that is that uh, he writes known as the world of eternity, which yeah, that, it's, it's, it's you know like uh, if if he's a fan then he, then he should know that. You know, the universe is not known as the world of eternity. Even even though he knows about the, this concept and you know pre production name and you know stuff yeah. like that.
1: Exactly. I, so he's either such a big fan that he's telling fan other fans that, hey, I remember back when it was called World of Eternity, or he's such a little fan, which is not a bad thing, <laughs> that he's like, I just looked at the Twitter feed and it was called World of Eternity. So, well,
2: okay. He's he's a gaming journalist, and I think there, there has to be some allowance for that because I, I think as a gaming journalist, you kind of acquire approximate
1: knowledge of many, many, many things many yeah. oh I'm and, not like criticizing him like what do you expect well, sure, no, 100% not. in every game that's yeah. totally fair
3: sure I mean yeah we can't expect him to have like I have both of the guidebooks and all this stuff with uh, Aora. so like I, I do laugh a little like it's kind of silly um, him saying it. But at the same time, you know, there we do allow some allowances. But then like he's just reporting on it.
1: To kind of like come back to how this whole little discussion, like if he has enough knowledge of the lore to say, oh, yeah, it's 100% for sure in the living lands, which is like a completely vague and really side topic in the game if you pay attention to it. If he has that much knowledge, how would he not know the world's called Aura? That's the thing <laughs> I'm wondering.
2: <laughs> well, what, what I think is that someone,
1: someone uh, his source must
2: have like directly told him when asked. That's what so I, that's the thing I, I'm going I have with. some
0: context here. If you, go oh, and listen, sure. if you go and listen to the Xbox uh, Unlocked podcast where he guest hosts on and talks about this a little bit. Um, he actually says the world of Aura. I think it's called Aura. Aura. Oh no. I think no. it's Aura or something like that. Oh, that have we been saying
1: it wrong going. this whole time? No,
0: no, no. <laughs> I mean, he he totally fucked it up and he knew he did when he was saying it. So it was completely obvious to me listening to that yeah, podcast okay. that he has no I no freaking idea. Um so nice to have those rose-colored rose-colored glasses but um in that situation I believe you're wrong. This one excited me. This next stat uh, or next, uh, reveal, which I do think is something new. I don't remember this being on the, the list a year ago, the rumor list, maybe it was. I'd have to go back and revisit it. But having, destru- having a destructible environment. Now, that's a pretty big pill. Like, again, uh, taking into account who's saying it and, and, and some of the many things that I'm going to talk about later, I don't think he completely understands what that is. Um, because I think his example was, and I'd have to look back at the article, was like burning a banner or something. Um, it was
2: uh, using lit torches and fire spells to burn down blocked entryways. Which uh, I have to say, um, that's uh, that's from that's from Skyrim. That
0: well, and that's not, not destructible <laughs> either because because no. it is destructible, but it's the same thing that they do in Elder Scrolls it, Online. Yeah, it's it, it, it's customized hey, you to your experience, but what I, that the next person coming along is going to see that burn down.
2: What I hope, like, I, I just realized that I've never been able to do this in a game, but I would love to be able to, like, go up to a locked door as, like, a mage and just, like, melt the lock off or, or burn the door down like that cool. just get through it in some way like fall
1: fallout <laughs> when the door
2: is half destroyed and you're like well I can't get past this blast lock <laughs> yeah, I can't just put my arm through the giant gaping hole
5: <laughs> I just I just did that the other day in in PoE2 and it felt so good like you you know, there there are these little um there are these little like interactions with, Oh, the storybook sections like, yeah yeah exactly and and I just opened up uh I think with Aloth I just opened up a, a locked Door Uh, by you know, casting uh, an an acid spell.
3: uh Oh, yeah! You can like reinforce a bridge with your web spell. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm big big into
2: utility uses for spells. makes it makes it feel a lot more like a tabletop game.
0: This now when he said this, when he said destructible environment, I'm going to tell you what I was thinking, and this is me being the old guy I am. I remember back when Sony was was talking about the follow-up to EverQuest 2, and I've mentioned this before. I think it was called EverQuest Next or something like oh, that. Yeah. But one of the, the big muscles. ideas, one of the huge ideas they had for an open-world game, of course, this was MMO, which is a little different, but... Um, was that you could physically alter the world and come back and it would still be altered. So yeah. if, you, if you chop down a tree, it doesn't just grow back in uh, one minute or something. Uh, if you uh, frequently take the same path to and from this village that you're gonna start to see that that path becomes worn so that your actions are permanent. You, you permanently affect your environment. It is destructible. That's what it kind of means to me. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I know. That's that's a that's a different level of destructible. Like (laughs) right now, (laughs) they realize you couldn't really do that. I mean, that's super complicated and incredibly difficult. I think what he's referring to is what I said before, where um, it's part of the built-in code. You go in and you're supposed to burn the door uh, because it's wooden you burn the door and it goes away so that zero turns to a one in the code and you your door is burned um yes. or maybe it's also, also a different option. kind of destruction because like some
1: things are designed to be destroyed in a game and so you're interacting with it the way it was supposed to be exactly but then there are other things that are designed that you can destroy them but that's not their primary purpose so an example if you play rainbow six siege you can destroy a lot of yes. the environment there but like You don't have to like it's not required to get through the next area. It's just the the objects and assets in the game can be destroyed in the play session.
0: Which I think would be amazing. I love that. If that's what they're talking about, that's still pretty freaking phenomenal, right?
2: Yeah. Imagine being like high level in avowed, like really high level to the point where you're like a demigod and you're just like, you know, going back and like assaulting a fortress or something and just like taking chunks out of it with lightning bolts and shit. Oh, that'd be so cool. That'd be amazing, but I think I think that might be a little pie in the sky for for yeah. yeah that's a bit much. God,
1: imagine yeah. having to program for all those eventualities. Well, so, especially if they're still on the older engine. Not that UE4 is bad, but I mean, oh boy, we don't want to. What we don't want to wrap <laughs> this stuff, <laughs> right? I, this so, this is happening a lot in this in this article. I'm noticing is like the wording he used. We don't know what. Jez's
2: exactly. understanding
1: of the word
0: is—it's
1: word
2: something. Yeah, yeah. it's—it's uh, it, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because like I feel like if someone just a little bit more like learned in say it,
0: say it, yes, in, yes. In the, in the, oh, just it. I just got so excited, I almost peed myself. Say it again. <laughs> Everybody quiet. Everybody quiet. Yeah.
2: Learned. Yes. <laughs> Just someone a little bit with a little bit more knowledge of the setting would have gotten a look at all of this stuff. We might have had a much meatier article, and like, you know, I'll take what I can get. Like I said, I, I I've got I nothing got water against. Water in the desert, I get it. Yeah, and, and like you <laughs> know, he's 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 uh he's he's written something that gives us something to chew
0: on, which is nice. You know, thanks, Jez. No, I agree. I agree. I'm curious, though. Um, parenthesis: What you think about uh, destructible environments? Like, do you feel that? Um, so you 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 go through an area and you, and you do something massive. Let's say you a, explode a, a fireball and it it shatters something. Um, are you disheartened in games when you come back and that fence is still there?
4: But it's still there. No, that's- yeah. Oh, then if it isn't there, then I might be like, uh, oh, well, it's, you know, what can you expect? There's only a game. If it's still there, well, that's great. That's persistence. I love that. Oh, no, no, no. If I you can destroy fence, it again when you come back.
0: Yeah, if you break it and it doesn't maintain broken, like, how do you feel about destruction in a game? Do you feel that that's important to the narrative, the story, or is it just a nice little side thing?
4: It's a nice little side thing. You can't ask for everything in these toys. Good point. That's yeah, true. true. That is a lot to ask.
3: It can also have the opposite effect. It can also have the opposite effect of like when you kill a guard inside Oblivion and he, his body is in the middle of the town square, the entire (laughs) game.
2: Yes. (laughs)
3: Yeah. People just walk over it. Yeah. You (laughs) you, you have to
2: strike a balance. Man, how cool would it be if you like broke down someone's fence and then like later they're just like, they're fixing their fucking fence. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Or at the
0: end of the game, someone walks up to you and stabs you. This was for my fence you destroyed. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. And I in Remarin, I want that body to not be there, but I want to walk behind in the cemetery and see a new tombstone. And I want to hear people yeah. as they're walking by how yeah. much they miss that really nice guard. I want to hear the wailing widow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah. swimming, that's a big revelation, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just I hate swimming so in RPGs. What, what does swimming do for us in Aura? Get us
4: from one side of a river to the other? Yeah, oh, not, I fight, not much. Really, I don't care. We want a great big underwater adventure because that's never really fun in games. No, oh, please don't. Games. Please yeah. don't. I, no. hate,
1: I hate having to do those like it's not a, it's not a timed thing you know like we're not timing you to do this mission however you will run out of breath and die yeah <uckland singing> <No>. oh,
4: <laughs> watching man.
2: sonic fucking drown to death is was like a, a
1: traumatic childhood memory
4: for me <laughs> yeah i'm convinced <confused> all of my
1: emotional issues stem from that one little freaking might Eye <laughs> clip from that game dude but okay
2: uh, going back to guild wars 2 for a second underwater combat i think it's pretty safe to say is the
5: worst fucking part of that game and uh, that's I really, what i wanted to ask because yeah. i know you've, you've played guild wars 2 you've been playing guild wars 2 that's what i wanted to ask
2: oh it's just like you you're on land for most of the game and you learn your you learn how your abilities work and how they synergize and everything and then you get underwater and it's just like here's a whole new set of shit to learn and no time to do it in because you're only underwater for like fucking you know well, I mean, I guess you could be underwater for as long as you want, but nobody fucking wants to because it sucks.
5: Yeah, um, exactly. And, and like and, you, you know,
2: it feels bad. You know, it, it it doesn't feel like swimming. It it and I wouldn't want to play it if it did feel like swimming, I don't think, because it's just awkward. People are not designed to maneuver underwater very
1: well. Like I think the only the only reason that like people include this in game reveals, like, oh, you can swim is because when in a game you walk up to the water and your character just mindlessly walks up against it. Like there's an invisible wall there. Yeah. People take to well, and like, this game is so dumb. It can't go into water. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It's immersion. <laughs> I get that. But, it ha-
2: but also it's
1: like, it's funny. What, I don't care. I really don't care, man. Like if yeah. I can get in the water or not, it is nice it, to be able to go across a river, though, versus having to traverse the bloody map to get around a river.
2: Or just do what's, like, historically accurate and make it so that you have to, like, ford the river if you want to get across with all your shit, like, intact and not soaking wet. Like, your musket you, no longer works because... Right, it exactly. Is, oh, you right. don't want to get your powder wet. Like, and, and you and to pack you, up your long gun, yeah. Yeah. And and if you're like, if you've got got like a bow or, you know, any kind of like supplies, you better have a waterproof bag or hold all your shit over your head and hope to Jesus
3: that you don't drop it because then you're just fucked. Like we want to we want to immediately drown when wearing heavy armor. Not immediately. Definitely. Did
1: you hear that obsidian? If we swim, we're gonna be mad. If we can't swim, we're also going to be mad.
0: you <laughs> just gonna be mad. It's a slippery slope. It's it's you know, honestly, what is it about? It's all about money. It's like how much of your resources are you going to put in? How into that? Like how how many of your your graphic designers, how many of your programmers? How much time are you going to invest in that, and is that investment worthwhile based on what you're the story you're trying to tell and the world you're trying to create? Is it that important? Uh, There's so many games I can think of. ESO is one of them, where they include the fishing mechanic, and it's such bullshit. It's like the only reason you fish in that game is to get row, which you they could replaced with something else. You know, it there's it's pointless. It's why did you invest that much time in it? I think we talked about this on an earlier podcast about, you know, incorporating things like farming and things in games where it doesn't really make sense. Why would you be investing now with what parenthesis said is spot on? I think getting across the river, obviously, you want to make it look semi-realistic. You don't want them to walk on water um, or just don't have them do it at all, which games have also done. You know, you get there's a bridge up the way you cross the bridge Um, or find a or find a shallow place and ford the river. Right, yeah. right. so I, I just feel like it's honestly, realistically, it's something that they're not going to invest a lot of time in, I think. It's yeah. merely for uh, sustaining the environmental uh, re- reality of it, and that's probably all.
5: Well, it's like, n-
1: they're not going to waste time or energy or stress about, like, oh, are they crossing the river realistically? Like, who cares? Like, they just want to play the game, kill monsters, progress in the story. That's what the gamer wants, and I the developers care. know it. Okay, well, there's, there's games out there for, for you. you. Sim. <laughs>
0: I guarantee you it's out there.
1: I know it's called Oregon <laughs> trail. Son of a.
0: <laughs> so this one, this one, this next thing he drops is pretty, uh, pretty heavy. Um, he may, may or may not end up regretting this one, but, um, and I guess in, in his defense, he uses the word speculate in the sentence before he drops this, where he's talking about, um, how he believes that from what he's seen and avowed that it's not gonna be a fully open world game and that it's gonna be his own base game, kind of like uh Dragon Age inquisition or Outer Worlds he uses hubs as an example or whatever, you know. Um, it, it's not gonna be open world. It's it's not gonna be like Skyrim, where y- you can walk from uh the eastern shore, eastern mountains to the western mountains, you know. Um What does that revelation mean to you? Is that something you were expecting? Is that something that you really care about? Um, That, you know, so does it really matter? I'm good with it. Secretly hoping for open world because it's just my preference.
1: But I mean, if you look at Obsidian games, they tend to lean more towards the hub maps. So um, that's probably what their default is. Although he does also make a point in the article to say that they did have positions open at the company for open world systems. I mean, we don't know what game it's for, but there's a chance it could be for Avowed. Interesting.
2: Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'm fine with the with a hub system because, like, you know that, like you were saying, that's kind of Obsidian's thing, more or less. Yeah, like, and they do it well. Like, there's they nothing do. wrong with that. I mean, Pillars, Pil- both the Pillars games are kind of hub based, like that. You know, you you get these maps, right? You don't you don't just just like walk across Aora or or well, you know, Deerwood or or um, The dead
0: fire you you traverse from map to map to map Mm -hmm. um i think it depends on the i think it depends on the game and i've talked about this before i think they're they're going to go one of two ways and i kind of think they're leaning one way they're either going to go uh the skyrim way where the narrative is built into the game as a long story but does not conclude the game at the end. Um, so, like when you finish in Skyrim, the the main storyline, you're still there. You can still do things. You still exist. You're still doing everything. Um, that in that case, a fully open world is useful and makes sense, and is and and is something they should probably invest in. The other is more of the the outer worlds, or more of the. Um, many pillars. other games, yeah, Pill- all
1: the obsidian the pillars. Game.
0: Yeah. All of the obsidian games, basically, except for the grounded. But you, you have this narrative, the narrative ends. That is the end of the story. That is the end of the game. And he makes a good point. I will give him credit for this and that he says that it gives obsidian greater control over the pacing of the narrative when you are zone based. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of pace it, you know, you're at a certain place in the story when you've reached the conclusion of this zone. Yeah.
2: And I, I think I'd prefer that, honestly, because that's one of my, it, it's so hard to make an open world game and have it be um Internally consistent. Yeah. And have Not it true. have a strong narrative as well, unless, you know, you're changing the world a whole bunch and like, but, but even then it's really hard to develop for that. Like you have to have all these different world states, and you know, if you want to have an impact on the world, d- don't go open world, you know.
1: Yeah.
4: Well, plus, and like, also, let's face it, Obsidian isn't the, the master, isn't the world champion of uh, open world uh, exploration, the geography. Right. Uh, uh, what was called it's uh, it's this you know storytelling with skeletons. Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, it's it's the Bethesda thing. I mean, Obsidian isn't Bethesda. Their strength lies elsewhere. So I, I prefer the hub based. They're better at that.
1: Yeah, if that's yeah. where their strengths are, then I think they should lean into that. I mean, if they want if they want to try it, because I mean, they're all artistic and they want to grow in their skills. If they want to go for it, then by all means, go for it. But I mean, their strengths are definitely hub based. This whole conversation, I will admit, is total New Vegas erasure.
2: Um, but even New Vegas was ki- kind of like a guided open world, right? Like. It's not It's not like uh, uh, Skyrim or Oblivion or Fallout 3 where you ch- can just kind of go anywhere and do anything. It's more wow. just like...
1: And Fallout, the world of Fallout, it's kind of like a dream open world thing if you like to make hub worlds. Because the whole idea of the wasteland is there's nothing between little bastions of civilization. So right. it's kind of yeah. like a hub world that you have to walk through the loading screen almost. Right. But also, it, like, okay, like look at New Vegas, like, um, look, just geographically,
2: you know, when you start out in Good Springs, there's like the fucking Casador Valley up to your north between you and New Vegas. So you can't really go that way unless you're, you know, speedrunning or whatever. Um, this is, a, this is, okay, I have a side story for that after you're done. Okay. But, uh, so, so, it, like, that, that's why I call it sort of a guided open world. Cause yeah, you can kind of sort of go anywhere you want, but it's more like this, um, contiguous journey sort of to get to uh new vegas where you're you're kind of going along a a path or at least that that's that's how i usually kind of play it um and there's you know side stuff along the way that that branches off and becomes its own thing which is really cool and and like i love that that design ethos Um, but yeah i think even when obsidian does do open world they still kind of lean back on the, the um, narrative uh, structure, sort of a hero's journey kind of structure to, to, to guide them in that. And I think it makes the experience better, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Love New Vegas for that. I prefer New Vegas over just about any other Fallout game. Actually, pretty much literally any other Fallout game.
0: What's your so- story, Gingerina? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um- it's not a long bone. one. It's not like
1: a crazy story, but I just I still can't figure out how it happened. So one day, I loaded up Fallout New Vegas, and it was a relatively new playthrough. And then I put the controller down because I had to leave for some reason. I can't remember what I was doing. I came back, and my wife decided she was just going to pick up and play the game. And um, t- uh, two notable things happened. First off, she got rid of all of my inventory, and she was naked in the middle of the uh, oh my God. wasteland beating somebody <laughs> up with a stick. And I was like, why did you get rid of all my stuff? I looked at the map... And she had somehow walked through that Deathclaw Alley area. She's, i don't—I—I like, what did you do? How did you do it? Tell me every little detail. And she's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, just,
3: I, was,
1: I was blown away. I still to this day can't figure out how she did it. She is a master gamer. She just doesn't even know it. I, this wow. is
2: why I love handing the controls over to people who have like, never played video games or only rarely played video games because they always do shit that will surprise you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, Lazar you had you played through many games w- uh, with your partner right so you uh, although I wouldn't say that she's not a gamer I think now she's a certified gamer right
5: yeah now she's she definitely is she's she's been initiated into our ranks definitely <laughs> card carrying gamer wife <laughs>
0: so I want I want to pull this back out those were the big takeaways I think those are the things that um, at least from the way he wrote the article that were groundbreaking leaks. Um, and I want to, I want to pose another question to you guys. I, I have obviously many concerns, but I want to, this is probably one of the bigger ones and that I feel like personally game journalism is seriously struggling. And let me tell you why. Um, I think it, it can't seem to find a champion to lead it out of this whole geek syndrome into some sort of professional journalism area. It doesn't get respect, obviously, because it doesn't deserve respect right now too often game journalism <laughs> is a bunch of gamers talking about games us right that you could almost classify us as that which is really ridiculous or it falls Excuse victim me. it falls victim to the whole be cute funny and edgy syndrome game journalists are sloppy they don't research they do not respect the written word. Um, they do not put as much time into the writing as they do into their gaming. This whole geek culture that they can't escape is holding them back. It, it's, like a, it's like a boxer that's more concerned with their image. Or it's like a sport reporter that still writes like he talks in the locker room. Um, there, there are some standouts. I will say this. I do a lot of reading. Um, Anita Sarkinson, the feminist frequency amazing um tracy lynn from the la times she's the one who wrote the no girls allowed which is amazing um danielle rendeau from polygon ryan mccaffrey from ign jeff Keeley who really doesn't do it anymore um yahtzee from zero punctuation yes um there are some that do it right and who are who are well written but not just that they're well written when you hear these people speak when they speak, they are pure professionalism. They, it, it just, it reeks professional. Um, their articles are, show a true appreciation for the written word, but they are a small group, too small a group. Most of the time, it's people who love the game, that are cute and quirky, and land a quote-unquote journalism job. Um, has your experience been different from mine? Well, here's the thing. I don't think that the problem is confined
2: to gaming journalism. That's I think, what I wanted to say. Yeah. Because when you were saying all this stuff, I was like, oh, you mean like jur- journalists? That's like all that's post- online
5: journalism.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's all, I mean, you know, it, it's the world we're living in right now. Everything is clickbait more or less. You have to dig and dig to find something really worthwhile to to read and people who are really worthwhile to follow. And, That's just kind of the, like I said, that's just kind of the world we live in right now, which I agree sucks, um, but (laughs) makes it all the more rewarding, I will say, when you do find someone who is worth following. And then why is it that more
0: people know about Ches Gordon than they know about Anita Sarkinson? Why is it that? uh,
2: uh, Well, (laughs) I don't think that's the case because Anita Sarkeesian was uh, Sarkeesian, sorry, was like, but like that wasn't that the whole like Gamergate thing? Wasn't she at the center? Yeah, of all that? She was, yeah. 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 So I'm pretty sure lots and lots of people know of Nita Sarkeesian. Probably not for her journalism, though. Um, well, yeah. But I mean,
0: you're you're talking about like, uh, at least her journalism the no girls Said. allowed. There's, there's so many great writers out there. There's so many. And there's even uh, books. I know that parenthesis is mentioned that I've looked into that are written by, uh, they're authors, but I would also kind of call them journalists because of the nonfiction they write. That are They're really well-written. Um, they might sell fairly well, but I don't think they get the attention of the people that are more boisterous, the people that are um, cause more of a ruckus. I mean, is that just life in general? Is that what you're saying? I just need to well, suck it of. up and I mean, deal with it? We also have to look at the incentives, uh, the incentive structure here. Because uh, when you're a
2: gaming journalist, it does not pay to sit and ruminate and come up and come out with an article that is
1: like spectacular. Well, and uh, How do you have the time for that too? Exactly. Huge exactly. Games.
2: And you know, it, there's only so many hours in the day. And also journalism is a big publisher parish kind of field. I, I, I I'm a softy. you know, I, I give people lots of leeway for doing kind of what they have to do to to make ends meet. And I think I think Jess Corden is probably above the making ends meet. Uh you know, he's kind of a household name for for a lot of yeah, a yeah. lot of people in our hobby. Um but you know, there there is just sort of that that pressure to be the first, not the best, right? To to break the news and then let other people analyze and pick it apart and clarify.
0: Um because that's what brings in more readers. Right. You, know? you got to take a dump, so you take a dump and then you're done with it. Right? <laughs> you take that a dump is, uh... and you're done with it.
1: I get it. I understand. <laughs> but he's right, yeah. though. I mean, the readers, they want this certain level of content and they want it now and they want it at this regular pace. And so y- if you have someone out there who can produce that material for your website, you're going to make you profitable. You're going to hire that person over the great writer who sits and thinks about a wonderful piece of journalism. Because Is it
0: ever going to go back to to, is it ever going to change to more of a, a profession and less of a thing i do on youtube is it yeah. or are we is it inescapable is there no, no is there no pendulum here is it because of the internet because of the social media we're, we're done it's um, it's now anybody's game
4: the demotiv- no, the demotiv- no college needed
0: no no writing
3: lessons <sighs> needed Ad revenue, I think takes a lot of that away. uh, Because like you want to, it's not just the fans who want everything quickly. It's like you want to, you know, give them as much ads as possible. So you need the clickbait, you need, you you don't need to analyze the, the news that you get, you know, like in the past, like someone would get this information, they might talk to some people, insiders that they know, interview them, try to get quotes, things like that, and then put it, and then put it in a piece that's, that's really, really well written. But now it just, doesn't work I mean some of sometimes it works like Jason Schreier is another example I think he wrote Blood, Sweat and Pixels um oh yeah all, yeah yeah and also does exactly what I'm saying like interviews and really researches yes, as well it's example. Are, yeah so I think I don't think it'll ever get to that point again I think there, there will be pockets but I think we're 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 in this type of info <laughs> or these types of articles for the long run
0: so my my opinion um, is, and, and I'm just going to be very clear about this and explain why. I believe Windows Central um, is the TMZ of gaming. I believe <laughs> that wow, I think they are proud of that though Harsh. understand this. I don't think they would hear that and get upset at all tmz, TMZ is tmz always. is is extremely successful, billion dollar they they are the shit i mean they get they get stuff out they throw stuff on the wall see if it sticks they're yes they're ex- kind of exploitative they're they're maybe don't have their heart is maybe made of iron but they you can't argue that tmz is is a huge footprint in a journalistic industry now here's what i will say i will say that i don't think they would consider that an insult i think that people like Daniel Rubino, who's the executive editor over there, Zach Bowden, Matt Brown, people like that. I don't think they would have an issue with that. I think they would be, they'd be like, hell yeah. (laughs) We wanna be that, we wanna be that, we're trying (laughs) to do that. But they've been around since the mid 2000s. It's time to evolve. Take yourselves and the craft of journalism a bit more seriously. Don't treat leaks like word vomit. Pushing it out as quickly as possible without taking a moment to really read what the hell you're publishing. And do you understand what the the hell an editor is? Do you even freaking look it up on the damn internet? Do you understand what the hell Windows an editor Central. is? You know what their job is? Windows Central, really? I volunteer
2: as editor. Well, I don't volunteer. Pay me. But like, uh, well, uh, I mean, hey, I've got a creative writing degree. I'll edit. Listen,
1: to get the jazz article, he is a senior editor there. So he kind of has the pull to... Put the articles out as he wants.
0: I uh, know. I get it. I get it. He has people that work under him as well. But people respect you when the central because of your connections, because so often your leaks, you get it right. But wouldn't you want to take that extra step and evolve a, a little bit more would be my say. I, th- I think that Jez's greatest enemy, obviously, from reading this article, his greatest enemy is being too comfortable. The guy has 30,000 followers on Twitter. He's a many industry connections. He's been around a while. He's, as we've said, he's got, he's on a popular platform. He's a senior editor. I mean, why push yourself to do better and be better? Who gives a shit, right? (laughs) I'm getting money. I'm getting the reputation. People are listening to me. Um, Fuck this guy on this stupid little podcast. That's calling me out. (laughs) You know, I I am. (laughs) Damn dude. Gamers don't give a shit about journalism and they shouldn't. It's, it's just, you want your stuff. You want it fast. Maybe he's right. I, I, well, I mean, there's a lot we're glossing over in there. Like, for example, like
1: game, there's a lot of gamers out there who aren't invested as much into the world like they they like playing a game they like doing a quick little google search and finding whatever the latest news is versus a gamer who's like i'm in this world and i'm following a whole bunch of people and i'm deep into the news and all the stuff that's going on i think there's a difference there between like a surface level gamer and a deep gamer and neither of them are bad it's you know game how you want a game but i think a lot of online journalists people know that you get the clicks and the ad revenue from appealing to the majority and the majority are not going to be getting plumb deep down to the where the really crazy news are or the real stuff or what have you want to call it. We we also have to,
2: I think, recognize the state of gaming in 2021 because Sora, you and I, I think, are from sort of an era where video games were not nearly as big of a deal as they are now and yeah. weren't really mass market media. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, in in 2020, video games uh topped movies and music combined for revenue. Yeah. Worldwide, mm-hmm. which is enormous. Video By games a lot. are a inter- lot. Yeah. video games are entertainment now. So when when you're when you're writing for a big outlet like that, you're not thinking, uh, you know, how do I appeal to um to the hobbyists? to, you know, to the people who, to the enthusiasts like us, you know, we're, we're, I'd say we're enthusiasts. You're thinking, how do I appeal to uh, the consumer, you know, to, to a dude who's got a day job, who comes back home and, you know, plays like an hour of something, you know, maybe an but RPG, or something else, but You were
0: like- right. But here's the problem with that. You are an industry that's, that has exploded. You are, a, a major person in that industry. It is human. It is not just gamer. It is human to accept your responsibility. It is human to take that responsibility seriously, knowing that there are 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds out there who are beginning to idolize you and reading every word you put down, reading sloppy phrases like, have got far, far, far more, far more. And what was the other one? It's far further along. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it was written by a sixth grader. And then the research that went into this article is not, oh my God, don't get me started. It's like walking into a Walmart and you spot Madonna's Madame X tour playing on the TV above all her Blu-rays and this large man in a dirty shirt that says, I love country walks up next to you and says, I heard she likes being a virgin. You know. That's what it felt like reading this. I so mean, it, it was this, it was ridiculous. Is I'm that a huge Pillars fan? Bullshit. You. You're not a huge Pillars fan. Are you um, kidding me? Hey, you America. read any one paragraph, pick any one paragraph out of this. It is not researched. It is take stuff in my hand, throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. And it doesn't always stick. With his tweet, he got in a little bit of trouble, had to come back out and see it's happened before. Remember, was it 4 months ago, 3 months ago, he came out and said Microsoft was buying five new studios in in the next week or so, right? It caught shit for that because it caused a storm on the internet, had to take it down. Probably. It's that whole yeah. mentality of not researching, not being a journalist, I'm not even on the caliber of like New York Times, but I mean just basic level and respecting the word and understanding that people are watching and reading and you have a responsibility and that if you are creating this sort of lackadaisical who gives a shit then the person next to you or the person after you is going to do the same thing and we are just going to keep tumbling and tumbling into this chaos hey remoran how are you liking the first podcast episode you're on
1: so far <laughs>
3: so great lots of positive vibes (laughs) (laughs)
2: we are we are getting, we're, we're getting, we're getting a little
0: shouty here, but
5: I, mean, I, I, proclaiming
0: I don't dual wielding as something new proclaiming. I mean, are you I mean, kidding me saying that some of this stuff that we've had in gaming since, all right. two, since 1998 is, is groundbreaking. Oh, and this is really cool. You can apply shit to the buttons on your controller. Are you kidding me? You read <laughs> that? You really read that and digested that? And you did not get upset with that. Are you kidding I, me? I got this I brand new feature. You guys got to check it out. <laughs> if you press a button in a video game, things will happen. It's amazing. I didn't see him saying
2: that dual wielding was like supposed to be a groundbreaking thing. I just said, yeah, you can do it, which like, all right. I mean, like that, that's something that I expected because it's uh, an RPG and an RPG where you can't dual wield anything is kind of silly. Uh, But like, yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand what you're getting at. Like after this long of a silence to have this be. Yes. The first thing that we get and uh, granted it's a leak. It's not something. And, and you know, maybe, maybe there's a conversation we had there about the quality of leaks. And, you know, if you're going to leak something to someone, make sure it's, make sure it's going to be treated well.
0: Right. It's and- the whole, have you stopped beating your wife? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? It's absolutely. Have you stopped beating your wife? It is totally obsidian's fault either you either way you answer that loaded question, you're screwed did you know this oh, was coming I see. out did you know this was coming out of obsidian no right yeah 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 I did see you know this was coming out of obsidian yes both right. of those are big problems
2: <laughs> yeah 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 no i I understand that I understand that and like uh, uh, you know i'm 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 in two boats here i'm am, I am a man straddling two different boats, one of which is sora's boat where yeah i'm a little i'm a little disappointed with the quality of of what's been released because it's really not much to go off of and it's you know like you said it's not written as well as it could be for sure but i'm also in the boat of uh, i guess the rest of the fandom well not saying that everybody in the fandom uh, is like on the other boat sora but you know what i mean um where it's just like, oh, hey, context, you know, things, uh, information about this game that I'm really excited about. That's cool. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, but we're a, not it's a even
2: place to okay. be. Okay. Yeah, we're it, talking about lot.
0: information. So listen to this. Uh, in the same article, he goes from saying it's in pre-production to playable at E3 2022. What? He goes from, here's another one. It's colorful, brighter, like the Outer Worlds then later says it's going to be darker and with duller colors like the trailer wait the really wait, hang on he let me goes see. from fully open world to well no probably not you know zone based you know i mean what are we doing in the same article you contradict <laughs> yourself it's not even a long article what is it like six paragraphs and you constantly contradict yourself it's colorful and brighter but then at the end you're like oh it's probably going to be darker and duller like the trailer what Wait, how as a gamer am I supposed to get something out of that? Which I one is it? I can't wait for
1: Sora to come back and ed- edit this episode, and he's like, "Calm down." And like, "Wow, I really, I really went for it, didn't I?"
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I see what I see. What you're talking about, where he's like, "Oh, okay." Uh, finished art style is expected to elevate what we saw with a brighter, more lively color palette. Although it could end up looking a bit darker. Yeah,
0: that's. You might as well have just said nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah. it doesn't make any sense how this got past an editor, unless. Unless, <laughs> unless he was trying to hit a word count because I've been there. <laughs> Look, I know there's one thing we know about him. He loves Outer Worlds. How about this stat? He said Outer Worlds 14 times in the article. Pillars of Eternity, he said eight times. That's just, that's just SEO, baby. He said avowed 18 that's- times, mm-hmm. just a little bit more than he said Outer Worlds. Well, get that you're an Outer Worlds fan, but the reason that you guys psychologically think about this, let's, let's seriously, why is that what he mentioned? Because that's what he played. That's what he's comfortable with. Don't you get it? That's his experience. So that's what he's drawn comparisons to. He hasn't played Pillars of Eternity. That's obvious. Um, listen to the podcast that I was talking about, and you'll see what I mean. Um he it's yeah, it's a- like an it's like a crutch for him. It's like a writer's crutch. You know, I played outer worlds, I love outer worlds, so that's what. That's why it shows up 14 times in an article about Avowed. Are you kidding me? And it's not a long article.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And And I,
2: I do think part of it is just SEO because you, you guys know what I mean by SEO, right? Yeah.
1: Like having, Search having engine used, optimization.
2: Right. Yeah. Having to use certain key phrases uh, a certain number of times in your article in order to, you know, trip uh, trigger. Um, yeah. My, my next podcast
1: episode will feature avowed as every second word. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect. See? So now the, the transcript of it will uh, will will be SEO optimized. Um, but, yeah, I, I do agree with you, Sora. I, d- I don't think Jez Corden has played Pillars. I don't I, – I would be surprised if he had. Or maybe it's just, like, been a really – well, it can't have been that long a time. It didn't really come out th- all that long ago in the grand scheme. But, like –
0: it, here's, it, here's, it, but it bothers me that he didn't just hand it off to someone. Yes, that's my point. Played it. This, this article, here's my point. And I said this at the beginning that I have respect for him. I think he puts himself out there. I'm not saying he's a bad person. Here's the problem. The problem is you're throwing shit against the wall and it's not going through a filter. It would have taken a good editor 15 minutes to, to pare this article down and say, okay, wait, you're contradicting yourself here. You're not really telling us anything with this. Um, why why is the outer worlds in so much prevalent in this article? And is it really that similar, or is it just because it's a game you played? It would, it's an editor that would take an article like this. And here's the problem. Here's why it upset me so much. Not because I, you know, it's it's that time of month for me. It's it's because this is what we got. Uh more than a year after. Here, here, here's why I'm you want to know why I'm really upset. Here's why I'm really okay. upset. I'm going to hit you right now. (laughs) I'm going to hit you with the fact. Go back and listen to the. You guys have been with me for for a year on the podcast. I have been pushing the positive approach with Obsidian since day one. I said, trust them. I said in earlier podcast, they know what they're doing. Give them the benefit of the doubt, I would say. I'm questioning that charitable approach now because this happened. You messed up. I don't care how you spin it. I don't know who's in your PR department, but you messed up. I mean, this is marketing 101. I mean, this this is what we get. This is what we get from you, Obsidian. And and you're still quiet. Article's been out for a couple of weeks now. I mean, if you don't really, if you don't get on the boat and And not just with this, it's it's Microsoft is also over them. I mean, they did this with they're doing this with Fable, Everwild, State of Decay three. I can list all of the games that they're they're making the same mistake with. You release a trailer, and you give them nothing for a year and a half. There are people who've done it right. Okay, Uh, I can think of many. Valve is a good example. Valve is one of the you know yes, there's they they take a lot of crap, and there's reasons that they should. But they're a company that is community focused, so much so that that if I remember right, they you know they've they've released their own stuff, like they release their own commercials and stuff. They they do things in house. Um, they for the for the fans before the stuff comes out. They teased yeah. Portal Two a year and a half before it came out with some alt reality game, and they continue community updates monthly after that help. I'll pick the devil. Here's the devil for you, Rockstar Games, GTA Five. They started releasing details about that game two years before, and they didn't stop. First trailer was out in t- 2011, and then they continued uh, with a game informer article after that. They they didn't stop. Baldur's Gate Three is the perfect example. Oh, Just yeah. release the damn thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, right no articles or anything. That. I put it out there. It's not ready yet. But you want to see what it is? Here's what it is. You don't need to read an article. And I'm not saying that they take it to that extreme. But my point is there are examples of people who've who've done it right. There are examples of companies that can do it right. And the biggest person to blame for this is not Jez. The biggest person to blame for this is Obsidian and that they need to get their act together. And Microsoft needs to get scared. Not only did they advertise Skyrim. All right. We talked about that and how that is already creating a problem because we know it's not going to be anything like Skyrim. Um there it's just I'm really scared, guys. I'm really terrified. That- well, let's let's pare it down a little bit because I don't know that I blame
2: Obsidian as an entity so much as I blame the person at Obsidian who decided to leak a an a frustratingly incomplete portrait of the game to a person who really kind of didn't know what he was looking at. You know, um, y- you can you can you know talk about how management there maybe should have done this or that to prevent leaks, but honestly, it, it's 2021. Leaks are going to happen.
1: Sometimes it's, leaks are even planned. You know, that's true. Oh yeah, true. yeah, but you I can't tell me don't this. Don't get one that was. feeling here. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no. but I say, but, f- for the sake of our listener, z- uh, listener, we have one listener. <laughs> for the sake right, of our listeners,
0: we'll probably at perhaps this point we should, shared them away.
1: <laughs> perhaps <laughs> we should move on to a different subtopic
2: at some point. No, <laughs> I, I agree. But I, but I understand. I understand where you're coming from, though, because it, it, it is. It's a bigger it's, problem. It is, as they say, not a good look.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think that what I'm trying to get at, other than the fact that this 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 is so embarrassing as a, as a fan of aora and pillars is just really frustrating um is that who? whatever your marketing strategy obviously at this point it's not working um so i understand why this happened you know i understand that 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 all the stuff behind the post cyberpunk i understand that that you had to release the trailer to sell next-gen consoles. I get that nowadays the executives take precedence over the developers. I know the whole fear of the copycat mantra where um, you 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 fear putting something out and somebody's going to steal it before the game releases and put it in their game. Um, yeah. I know that you're worried about the press sensationalizing. Bingo, number one, sensationalizing, taking things out of context. I know that you're afraid that everything you say gets taken as gospel and locked down and you don't want that. Your fear of fans rejecting something you've put out there uh, and is already in development and you can't really change there. There's all sorts of reasons for you to stay silent until the day you release, but there are more important reasons to do it. Right. I can think of uh, when um, Dragon Age Inquisition, um, You know, right after they announced that they were working on that project, uh, the month after this huge, like a 20 page article in Game Informer, way before the game is launched, just not just detailing what the the person who is reporting said, but detailing what the company is saying and that this partnership and let's get the information out there. Let's not be so fearsome all the time. Let's try to do what's right by the fans. Is kind of yeah. where I was going with that. Side note, um, hilariously enough, when Sara referenced that
1: this was written by a sixth grader and I'm on the article right now, I have an advertisement for sixth grade teachers for curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they know. That's insane. I mean, hey, you know, it makes me feel like I'm not. Oh, hey, there's, also, there's also mature women in my area that I can talk to. That's interesting. <laughs> why are those two advertisements next to each other i don't get this i mean if you're a sixth grade teacher looking for love you
2: know
0: so.
1: maybe maybe looking
2: for a little maturity in your life you're dealing with sixth graders all the time
0: okay so i'm gonna jump to questions <laughs> i'm gonna jump to questions because we're already almost at two hours um you should um, uh, you'll have to cut some of your rant out and put it on the patreon oh yes yeah <laughs> pay pay for <laughs> the gas after here. dark Um, And I don't think we've had this question before. Uh, I hope we haven't, because I haven't gone back to look at the log. But um, I'm assuming this comes from maybe like a a person who's interested in BG3 or or, I don't know. Um, How do you guys feel about incorporating romance options into Avowed is the question. And this comes from Dearmon. I'm fine with it.
2: it. Honestly, a romance is only as good as it's written, you know? Um there were like I didn't really like any of the romance options in Pillars 2 because they were so bare bones and like it's almost like why mm-hmm. even have them except to get people thinking about what Maya looks like naked, I guess, or Takehu, you know, depending on mm-hmm. how you swing. Um uh, it just uh, i don't think obsidian does romance particularly well um so i'd just as soon not have it yeah but but if they can if they can polish up you know their 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 chops on that front then yeah, yeah. fucking sure whatever a good story is a good story if they're I think gonna they
3: do it oh, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. remember Aaron, sorry well, I was going to say, I think if they do it, it would have to be something like a quest line instead of just something that happens, like, in that weird kind of conversations. Like, like I, for example, like, I feel like when I was playing Pillars 2, um, I I never indicated in any of the conversations I had with Takehu that I was interested at all, and then suddenly... Uh, he like, like nudged in one direction. I'm like, wait, well, that was just a weird, uh, uh, not uh, like, it didn't feel like a natural interaction. And the same goes for, I think, all of them. I mean, like, Shodi, for example, inside Pillars 2 has a thing for uh, Adair in the beginning. And then suddenly it felt like she was like, hey, what about you? It just felt weird and awkward. Yeah. And I feel like if they yeah, you're not the
1: in- You're not the only one there. That's pretty much yeah. universal hey. experience.
3: If if they do it in like a quest line where you know you you get the quest the higher your relationship with that um companion is then it feels more natural uh, than some than what they do now yeah like Wrath of
2: the Righteous actually has some some pretty good romance options um I don't I don't want to spoil anything but there there are some uh pretty pretty well written and well realized and actually kind of moving like romance moments in that game that that surprised me because you know like i said before kingmaker was not super well written in my opinion
0: but would you want to see them go as far as like um uh witcher 3 you know sex on a unicorn do you want want the rockstar hot coffee do you is there is there boundaries do you are you saying that you prefer like the flirty kind of banter with that kind of thing or do you want to go full-fledged and I, and which do you think is better for a vow? I, I believe the term is full frontal sorry yeah no, there you go yeah. look i haven't been to newgrounds.com in like so,
2: many many years um so yeah i'm 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 looking for i'm looking for
1: love i'm not i'm not just looking for hot mature ladies in my area Looking, I wonder how many people we alienated when you're like newgrounds.com and so many are like what's that? I'm going to look no, at it no, right no. now. Don't, don't
2: <laughs> typing on their Dear keyboard. listener, please do not go to newgrounds.com. Yes, uh, you will, it, you it, will catch a computer best, disease for it sure. It is best left, left in the past. You will you you might even catch a real disease. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just that kind of sight. Um, wow. but yeah, no. I I I think if it's if it's more about like deepening your connection to a companion or Hey,
0: maybe not nice. even a companion, good choice of words, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think it should be uh flirty. I think they should keep it PG 13. I think that's smart for mm-hmm. companies nowadays. I think that you're not making a mature thing like a cyberpunk or something like that. Leave that to the other people. And that hasn't been their history either. Really? I mean, they're, they're definitely more of, fan, I would say, well, family oriented may not be the right word, but you know what I'm saying? And I think they should continue to lean that way. So I don't think we're going to see. It's less juvenile, right? Yeah. We're not going to see, we, we'll, we'll see some romance. I mean, yeah. Cause that's storytelling. That's getting, that's getting people interested in whether it's between us and, and, and an NPC or, or a party member or, or just between two NPCs, you know, you, yeah. It's storytelling, and that's just, part of... Just do it well. That's all I ask. If you're yeah. going to do it, put the time
1: and money into it and do it well.
3: Yeah, I think they did something... Uh, a good example of them doing something similar well is uh, if you guys did um, Parvati's side yeah, quest. Yeah, I was just thinking about like, that. I, it's such a... It's a romance quest that doesn't involve you, but it's so good. And I think it, 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 if they do something like that, that'd be great.
2: I just want to know how that casserole keeps so long space preservatives I guess.
0: I agree with that, Rimmerin. I remember I just I just finished a quest in in the ESO uh the B- new Blackwood area and there was this quest where you had to help this um oh I, mean, I can't remember I had to help this woman um, uh find something out about her her long lost love's friend or something i don't know i'm not telling it well but it was great it was like a whole story and i got intrigued and i wanted to finish the quest you know i i got an invite that popped it up um and it said you know you want to join the group i'm like no i'm kind of into this quest you get what that's what you want you want those stories where you're just like no no i gotta finish this i gotta finish this chapter i gotta i gotta and i think obsidian's good at that i will give them credit and i and i think that romance in a game like in a game like this
2: provides texture you know it provides a, a living aspect to the world it gives you something to protect right uh it gives it gives you it gives you as a character more um motivation you know yeah uh, or it can, if it's done well, and and it yeah. makes, and it makes the world feel that much more lived in because it's not just fighting Zarups all the time. It's- sure, it
0: brings in other emotions as well. Yeah. that yeah, that you wouldn't necessarily touch on if it wasn't there. So yeah, That's I, what I um, want from a romance. I think it'll be there, but I don't think it'll be. I think it'll be PG uh, definitely. The next uh, in the last email um, that we'll get to because we're running out of time. This is from Arch Raven, and uh, Arch Raven says. I'm very concerned with Justin Bell leaving Obsidian because I loved his music. Music is such an important part of a game for me. Um, Do you guys have any music from your favorite games that you love? I think what he's asking is, what was the best game music you heard? Sonic the Hedgehog 2.
2: Really? (laughs) Rolling around (laughs) at the speed of sound. Hey, fuck you guys. That's a banger.
1: Yeah, no, really? I'm talking about the actual game, like the
2: old <laughs> 16-bit music from Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, 2. oh Sonic right. the Hedgehog! I thought you meant—I thought you said Sonic Adventure. Oh no, <laughs> you know, I mean Sonic, maybe Sonic Two. I think uh, all the music was like written by Michael Jackson or some shit. <laughs>
0: <Really>? I'm pretty <laughs> so, sure
2: that's true. You know, Let me look touch. it up. Hang on.
0: Well, I'm a fan of Jeremy Soule. I know that he catches a lot of crap, and I know that he's kind of uh, got a reputation of, of being a turd, but in in real life, <laughs> but. I think he's a good musician and I think that the stuff that he crafts is very suitable for fantasy. Um, I would like to see more people. I would like to see more crossover. I would like to see more game, uh, musicians do music for movies and vice versa. I would love to see, um, Hans Zimmer do the music for avowed. Could you rem- imagine? That'd w- that would, well, okay. Yeah. That's,
2: that's tough. I don't know because writing writing music for games and writing music for movies strikes me as two different disciplines. Because uh, games, especially modern games, you get sort of environmental music. You get you get um, uh, procedural music. You know where uh, the score changes a bit as you're as you're walking around and like I, I find that interesting. Well, I guess I guess that's not you know uh, a
3: universal thing by any means. Um, I guess the worry, though, right, is that some those music, the music is either uh, I, I'll, I'll say it this way. There's different types of music for different types of games. Like you get yeah. games like what you're talking about is kind of like ambiance, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. But also
2: like when, 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 like when you go from one game mode to another, you know, from one mode of play to another, when you go from like exploration to combat, right. You, you oh, expect yeah. the, the expect the music to change and to be cohesive with what you were hearing before. Right. Um, which I, you know, I, I think that a, a, a you know, a, a storied film composer, like, you know, fucking Hans Zimmer could probably knock it out of the park.
1: Um, I, I just, I, I, you know, it's just a different challenge because like in a it movie, you can see what's happening. Like write the music for this particular scene. Whereas in a game, you're like the character, the player of the game can take one of these 500 different options. Yeah, they can be doing <laughs> so anything. How do you write a score that encapsulates all the possibilities? You know, like it's a completely different monster. And well, it also depends on the game you're playing. Like if you play Bastion, the composer for the music there, Darren Korb, I think he knocks oh, it out of the park. I so love good. that soundtrack. But if you put him on an epic fantasy like Avowed, would he produce material that hits as hard? Because it depends on
0: his style too, right? Ooh, I yeah, actually almost forced the developers to make changes, and you don't want that to happen. This is a this is a total side note, and Sora, please feel free
2: to cut this from the episode. But go for um, it. Several years ago, a few friends of mine and I. Uh, got together and actually recorded a cover of uh, "Build That Wall" and "Setting Sail Going Home," um, and put it up on our SoundCloud. And it's still like one of the one of my favorite pieces of music I've ever gotten to work on. Um, it, it's the SoundCloud is uh, I think it's still promo sound. Um, let's see if I can find it.
0: Are you talking about uh, "Build That Wall"? Is that from Bast- Bastion? Yeah, yeah, that's from Bastion. Okay. Yeah, 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 sorry here's the thing
1: i haven't even played that game to completion but i have listened to that soundtrack a million times it's, it's so, so good,
2: good. um I, actually yeah more directly answering the question uh i'd say that my favorite game soundtrack is probably um near automata.
5: Yes. automata oh a good whatever one. i know really i talked about uh,
2: yeah i talk about that game a shit ton on this podcast but it's because it's just fucking stuck with me like nothing else um the music is, ju- it's fucking transcendent. I mean, it like, it, I love the um, Seager Ross kind of uh, mentality of just like make up a language and then sing in the language. Cause it makes everything sound so foreign and like exotic and, and alien, which is perfect for a game set in like a far future post apocalypse with, you know, very uh unique vistas and 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 character designs and all this it ma- it makes you feel p- more part of the world it's it's great i could one
0: do you guys remember journey i loved the soundtrack for journey it, was good. it uh, was good not yeah not journey the 80s band but journey the uh the i believe it was released on sony only yeah um uh, yeah, yeah along the desert and um i i liked that one a lot i liked uh i like I mean, I like the music for most of the big AAAs. God of War comes to mind. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many. Last of Us had great music. Um, yeah, but are there yeah. any that like, just really stuck with you?
1: I mean, like, besides ones from your childhood. Because like, to answer the question directly, I guess, because we kind of got away from it. Like, mine is Final Fantasy VII, the original. But I think a large part of that is because it was one of the first big
0: narrative games I played. Yeah. That's interesting. Is, is, is it contingent or is it context? Does that matter a lot? Or uh, if you never played the game and just listened to the music, would that be as powerful as it was before? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I even like, like you said, I even like some of the old stuff, the eight bit link stuff. I like, you know, I mean, it, it's and probably that is because nostalgia more than it is that it's musically, uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, still... A lot of it's still pretty good too. And you know, it's I interesting. Thought... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rimrun.
3: I was going to say that I thought um, uh, two games that are uh, just happen to be in exile games, uh, Microsoft studio that I <laughs> think had excellent soundtracks um, are uh, Wasteland three and um, Bard's tale four. I, I think if you listen to any of the tracks on either of those, I think they both do an excellent job on, on On that, and I think the the issue with Justin Bell leaving is is less about um getting someone good because I think there's plenty of good game um, uh, composers and stuff out there. I think it's more about getting someone that can match the vibe of Aora. If that makes sense? Yeah. Uh, You know, it's funny. I was I was watching Alien
2: for the first time last night. Of all things, it sounds totally unrelated. But the the um the soundscapes, like with the flutes, the harmonizing flutes, made me feel like big pillars of eternity vibes for some reason. Like, you know, you know, you're stalking around in Engwith and ruin. You hear those, like those two harmonizing flutes. And it's just like a great tone setter, you know, uh, it's eerie and, uh, and mysterious. And it's, uh, and apparently alien did that. <laughs> and it works. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I, I- I mean, I like the I like the Pillars music. I really do. I think that, especially you know, I I have the soundtracks on Spotify. I listen to them sometimes, you know, driving or walking. I'm I'm a geek like that. But I uh, I just I'm a huge instrumental music fan, so I, I love all that stuff. I do think that Avowed will move a little more towards environmental than Pillars did. I want um, full
1: heavy metal, just straight death metal. Right, <laughs> right, right. Let's just get the cyberpunk
2: designer, the uh, cyberpunk sound designers on this one.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. There we go. Um, <laughs> you have your, your little loud radio
1: dope. that you carry with you. Let's we'll just. Yeah, the music in that just, game is really good. <laughs> I do love cyberpunk, but let's not trigger Sora again, please. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they right.
0: do good sound effects too. Like when you're turning the cube, like when you turn the, the, for the climax of the, I hope I didn't spoil it for anyone, but when you saw the Rubik's cube, the sound <laughs> of it clicking <laughs> is really great. Um, <laughs> oh man. I'm scarred for life. I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> I, I had, I told you this, right? I had my family sit down. I'm embarrassed as shit. It was almost like reading that damn article. It's like <laughs> I I I set my family down. I'm like I'm at the end of this 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 game. This was an epic, you know. Wait, wait, month. which game? The uh, cyberpunk. cyberpunk. Oh epic yeah, yeah. Of playing this game, and and I've just defeated the bad guy. You know, here 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 it comes. Um, you know, I'm expecting I, I don't know anything but that. And then what?
2: I am and so then, extremely curious about which ending you got because mine was actually super satisfying.
0: What? Yeah.
2: Really? Seriously, I need to go on YouTube and look up the other ones because that look it up wasn't a good ending. Because there is, there is like, in my opinion, there is a good ending to Cyberpunk.
0: Right? How the fuck did I end up in space? Like, what the <laughs>
2: hell? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now I know yeah. which one you. It tells
0: me everything. Yes. All right. Yeah. You did not get the good ending, my friend. Are you kidding me? I just spent all that time, and this is what it's you're really, giving me? No, it's
2: really easy to go back and get it if you want to. If you want to dip your toes back in, and it's it's. It's it's nice. It leaves you with a good feeling or it left me with a good feeling.
0: All right. Sense. I think what I'll do is I'll go to YouTube and watch it. I don't know. I don't want to dip back into that just All yet right. because <laughs> um, they've just delayed it yet again. So uh, who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah, I'm interested in the Bard's Tale for uh, Rim Around because I know I played it, but I don't remember the music. But I'm, I'm excited now to go... Um, Take a look at that. Um I'm a huge Bard's Tale fan, by the way. I love, love bard Tale, just absolutely awesome. But
3: it's excellent. Uh, and the Bard's Tale four menu theme is literally a Bard singing the story of Bard's Tale One.
5: Oh, oh I wonderful. know what my favorite.
3: I know yeah, what this my is favorite is.
0: Yeah, he is. I know what my favorite is. Um uh Dragon Age. Uh Ooh, Dragon Age really? Origins. Okay. Um yes. that that I don't know if it what range it was, but that high voice, you know, of, of her. A soprano, singing. I guess. Yeah. Oh my Alpha, God. Alto soprano, whatever. Yeah. I played the hell out of that. That was just, whoa, so good. Yeah, uh, anyway, we're, we're running out of time. Yeah. yeah sorry. So, um, you guys want to give a call out if you have stuff going on outside of here that you want uh, people to find you at. I know Gingerina, you got a couple of things, you got the world of eternity going on. What else do you have that you can point <laughs> people to? Did you just call it the world of eternity? That was good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Time for a name change. Oh man, yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe I should do that now. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> anyone who managed to get through this whole episode, first off, congratulations. Uh, thank you for. Uh, I guess you like the drama. That's all good. <laughs> if you're into the world of the world of eternity, and you want to hear a little bit more of the lore, such as the name of the actual world being called Aora. Um, you can take a look at my lore podcast for the Pillars of Returning Games and Avowed. Uh, it's, uh, on most platforms for podcasting. Just look up the world of Aora and you
0: can also find me on Twitter world of a, at world of Aora. If you're a fan and you haven't listened, you're not a fan because you, that you have, you know, people have things they're born to do. You're, you're really good at that. And I'm you know to- what, actually, you know, Jez Corden,
1: let me whisper to you oh. Listen, man, listen, man. It's clear that there's some lore that you might not know, which is totally fine. I get it. It's okay. Just listen to my podcast and I'll give you all the, all the,
2: all the details of the game. we have covered a lot, lot of stuff Jez, so far. Jez, if you're listening, go on Gingerino's podcast. Guys, guys this is a private conversation. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, Jed, how
2: can they find you? Uh, so, I'm on Twitter at Jed Bandu, uh, And I'm actually working on a novel Uh I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast yet, but uh, I'm working on. You mentioned you were
0: writing it. I know back when Kiwi was talking about writing, have you guys yeah. hooked up at all? Uh, not not really. I've been, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a month. No, it's cool. I'm just um, saying he's he's in the middle of writing one too. Yeah, um, and I'm really curious. I really want to read it. Uh, I've been I reading it, and I really months. like it. Uh, uh, he's, he's very talented,
2: but but yeah, I'm writing a novel. Uh, basically, it's a zombie story set in the middle of the uh, Black Plague pandemic in 1349 in nice. uh, England. Uh, trying to be awesome. as true to the time period as possible while still also having zombie drama, because I just think it's fun to try and do both. Um, yeah. It's going to be called The March of the Blue. Uh, I don't have a release date yet because I'm not done writing it yet, but if you want to uh, come cheer me on on Twitter, again, at jedmandu please feel free. I can use all the moral support i can
1: get <laughs> actually i've been i've been enjoying your uh, your tweets as you're oh, in writing true. there was one you put out recently about like you know, i realize if i want to be a writer i have to label myself as one or consider myself and i actually i thought about that that very day when you put it out there i'm like that's that's such a good point like it starts there so if you
2: want more uh nuggets of sage wisdom from the mouth of the smartest man on earth me jed mandu Um, Come follow me on
0: Twitter. And And I also
1: videos of his wonderful beard and hairy dog. Yes. Oh, my dog is (laughs) so lovely.
0: Well, kudos to you, man, because it's hard. It is hard to do what you're doing and it is hard to stick with it. And it's and it's especially hard knowing that at some point you have to be super vulnerable and let other people read it. And that that is devastatingly difficult. That is that is the hard part. It is hard. It's super hard trusting people. And learning to that, there's always going to be people who who crap on you, just like I did on Jez. I mean, there's, there's always <laughs> going to be that. There's always going to be that person. And um, so, you know, I, I, I kudos to you. Keep keep it up. Um, and uh, you know, thanks, if, if you want another reader, I'm always available. But there's no no pressure, no stress there. Um, oh, thanks, dude. It means a lot. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at those. Those two beautiful kittens there, both very furry. Aww.
2: Okay, we're getting a little uncomfortable <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> I know where you live.
2: <laughs> yes, true. Only my wife gets to call me a beautiful kitten.
0: Gingerina uh, just posted something, so we we're reacting to it. Um, yeah. uh, Remoran, how, how can they find you if they want to? What about parentheses? I mean, if
3: if, if they want, uh, they can follow me at Sir Remoran um, on Twitter. Uh, if you want to see me retweet Xbox and. And and obsidian and and RPG stuff, but
0: cool, no. very cool. Uh, yeah. Parenthesis is uh, not a social media person, unless that has changed. Does that change, Parenthesis?
4: No, it's Kiwi. I just don't have any projects worth following.
0: Oh, okay, okay, all right. Um, and then of course we are uh, at Avowedcast on Twitter. I don't really post that much. Um, and then we have Avowedcast at gmail.com if you want to email. Uh, all you jazz fans fire away, my friend, bring it on. Um, and, uh, we will keep putting out a podcast every month until, uh, Obsidian, uh, gets their act together. And they will starts. get you. I am a diamond level person in the church of the jazz and they will come and get you. I'm sure I'm I've had worse. Trust me. I do need to send you guys some of those, but I've had worse. Um, and, uh, I don't think they could even come close to some of those. Um, but uh, thanks again, Remaran, for joining us for this. This is your first time. I hope you come back. You have some really good ideas and opinions. And I swear uh, it's not this aggro all the time. Please come back. No, no. <laughs> he knows he listens. I know, I do
3: listen. So this, this was fun. I'll definitely, definitely come back. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I, I only know one other time that I've, I've exploded like that, right? I don't even, it was, I think uh, so, yeah, and it wasn't really in a negative way. I was just super excited. Uh, which one was that? That was the. Um, we were talking. Are about we already like, oh, getting
1: to the greatest hits era of this podcast? Yeah, yeah it was
0: uh, <laughs> vodka. Yeah, there, there was that one. But that was uh, good. Oh man, that was good. That one. was a good one. Um, anyway, thanks everybody for listening, and um, thanks for giving us your two hours today. And uh, we'll we'll be back soon with more content.
2: Now, Sora, go take another dose.
0: I need more than just a dose. <laughs>
3: Obviously.
0: <laughs> Obviously.
1: Whatever it is. Keep it to yourself, fish boy.